I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is going on everyone and welcome back to the channel. I hope you're all doing well. Now today I've got for you a special one-off video that I think you're going to enjoy. For the longest time now on this channel, I've been receiving the following comment. Either sleeping to this or I love listening to these stories while I'm sleeping or these stories relax me so much something like that So I thought why not actually make a specific reddit video to sleep to or chill to or relax to it's up to you But what I've got for you now is three hours of reddit stories, which are all pretty chilled So without further ado drop a like on this one if you're excited for it subscribe if you're in bed And here we go. My parents decided to cancel my 14th birthday party to accommodate my spoiled younger brother. Then they reinstated it when I told everyone at school. I am a 20 year old man and this happened when I was 14. I have a brother that's about six years younger than me. He was extra coddled by my parents for having been diagnosed with high functioning autism when he was four. But other than that, he seems very normal, just unbelievably spoiled. And he used to get his way a lot. And by a lot, I mean nearly all the time. Anything I had, he also had to have. So that meant we had doubles of almost everything that wasn't a shared item. And anything he had that I didn't, he'd rub in my face any way he could. When I was 11, I begged my parents for a 3DS for my 12th birthday. I got one, but then was told to lend it to my brother whenever he wanted it, or else I'd have it taken away, which it was a lot. When my aunt found out, after seeing my parents forcibly take my 3DS out of my hands to give to my brother on one of her visits, she let loose on them for such blatant favoritism. They returned my 3DS immediately, then blamed me for the situation after my aunt left. But they didn't make me give it to my brother again. Instead, my parents went out a few days later and bought another 3DS as a surprise gift for my brother. On several of mine and other people's birthdays, my brother made a huge fuss because the party wasn't all about him. Even going so far as to outright state that he was upset because he wasn't getting any gifts or getting to blow out the candles on the cake. My parents learned the hard way that they couldn't enable my brother the way they'd have liked at those parties and were actually kicked out of a few for trying that. And because of that, other kids at his school stopped inviting him to birthday parties altogether. For me, my birthdays were some of the only days I had that I got to have about me because otherwise my parents forced my life to revolve around my little brother. In the year prior to this story taking place, my parents ended up paying more attention to him the entire time of my 13th birthday. And they even asked me if I'd let my brother blow out my candles for me because he was upset and pouting. I refused that because I wanted to blow out my own candles. They called me a spoiled brat at first until my aunt intervened and chastised them on their favoritism yet again, stating how much she'd noticed how my brother gets nearly everything between the two of us just because he's autistic. My parents got no support from anyone else there other than my brother, who was still crying because he wasn't getting to blow out my candles. And because he didn't get his way, he tried to outright spit on my cake 
out of spite. But my awesome aunt thankfully blocked him before he got the chance then scolded him till he ran to my mum in tears. My parents took a lot of heat from the other adults there and then promised to never ask me to let my brother blow out my candles again, but they pretty much just went through the motions for the rest of the party. My aunt then took over coordinating everything from that point onwards. The following year, a couple of weeks before my birthday, my parents sat me down and told me they were still gonna get me some gifts and a small cake, but my birthday party was effectively canceled to avoid my brother having another meltdown. I told them I could not believe they were doing this to me and they just seemed to shrug it off without a care. So at school over the next week, I told my friends, my teachers, and even my school counselor. All of them were appalled by my parents' lack of consideration and empathy. The vice principal even found out and consoled me and all of this got back to my parents through social media. My parents ended up grounding and gaslighting me for telling so many people, but that didn't stop me from still telling everyone at school that I was grounded just for being upset that my birthday was canceled for no good reason. Now, I guess that made it a lot worse because several of my parents' own friends, along with parents of other kids in my school, called them up or sent them Facebook messages basically saying, what the heck is wrong with you? Suddenly, I was ungrounded. I didn't get an apology though. My dad just walked into my room with his arms crossed, told me my grounding was over early and then walked out. That was it. I thought my party was still canceled because nobody said anything about it. And my brother thought it hilarious and rubbed it in my face that I wasn't going to get to celebrate. But by the end of the two weeks, my parents held a surprise party for me at my favorite restaurants. They then started claiming it was their intent all along. I knew it wasn't. From what I'd seen, everyone was incredibly unhappy with them for what they did, and it showed with any interactions family members had with my parents. So they ended up doing the surprise party to try and save what little of their reputations they had left. I'm pretty sure they actually had to pay through their nose that day to just accommodate me. I got dinner with all my friends at my favorite restaurant that had a small arcade, and I even got the PS4 game system I'd been josing for at the time. I could tell that pretty much none of it was planned and bought last minute because my dad had a look about him that my aunt comically described as looking like a moth had flown out of his wallet. My brother, of course, made a huge fuss that I got a surprise party. But with so many of my friends and their parents there, my mum and dad finally put their feet down on my brother to stop his tantrum when he wanted to push my cake off the table. My brother ended up getting a time out for the first time since he was a toddler and my mum had to stay with him to make sure he didn't do anything crazy. He did try several times to run to the cake or stack of presents. Who knows what he would have done were it not for the fact that at least one adult was always on guard. Even my dad stood guard to keep him away. My mum ended up having to remove my brother and herself from the party entirely and took my little brother to a McDonald's nearby so he could have fun in their play area. I heard later she spent at least an hour trying to get him to come out of the play place tube structure and he only did so because he had to use the bathroom, then tried to run right back in again. My parents never tried to cancel my birthday again while I still lived with them, though they never again tried as hard or spent as much. For the remaining four years I was under their roof, my birthday parties consisted of a local pizza parlor, a cake without my name even written on it, and never again anything as expensive as a new gaming system. I don't mean to sound spoiled, but I was a bit disappointed I never got a cake with my name on it again. My aunt called my parents out on that each year, and each year they claimed they forgot to get the cake decorated. 
I'm pretty sure that the reason my name was never written on another cake was because my brother always refused to eat pieces of cake that had writing of someone else's name on it at any party and they couldn't put his name on any of my cakes or it would have looked very bad for them but the fact that i still got a day that was just about me at all and not my brother was fantastic in my book especially because just about everything else revolved around him during each of my remaining birthday parties while still living at home my brother made a fuss and my mum took him somewhere else to calm him down i was still required to share my ps4 with my brother but it was mine and I took it with me when I moved out at 18. Now, little brother didn't like that and had a huge fit till my parents went out and bought another PS4 for him. These guys are such enablers, what? When I moved out, they finally had to deal with how they'd raised my brother so spoilt because I wasn't there to help them with him anymore. On his recent 14th birthday, he went mental at our parents for not getting him a PS5. He's now currently grounded for I don't know how long after causing hundreds or maybe even thousands in collateral damage during that rampage. He picked up a chair and just started destroying anything that was in front of him with it. My parents just looked mentally checked out when I saw them last. My aunt has also told me they confided in her that they wish they could send my brother to military or boarding school in the future because they can't handle the monster they created anymore. But there's no way they can afford that. I'd be lying if I said I didn't find it ironically funny. Yeah, as I said whilst I was reading that, your parents are by far the biggest enablers I've ever seen. That is insane. Look, fair enough. The kid's autistic and he needs special treatment. I understand that wholeheartedly. Trust me, I do. But not to this level. Come on, not to the extent that one of your children can't even have their own birthday because of another one. That is mental. Listen, there's special treatment because your child has a mental disability and then they're spoiling him rotten. I think the fact that your parents are now regretting how they brought him up and are wanting to send him to a military school shows exactly where they lie. Entitled neighbor wants her kids in my garden. I am so glad to have found this subreddit because I have a legit crazy neighbor with boundary issues. I am a 29 year old woman. I don't have any kids, but my younger sister, who is now 16, has lived with me for about 10 years. And we've got a trampoline still in our back garden from when she was younger. The neighbor to the left of me has four kids and moved in a year ago. Two weeks ago, Glasgow started getting really good weather. So the kids have been out playing constantly, not an issue. They asked if I could let the kids use the trampoline one day. So I was like, sure, but only for a bit because I have friends coming over for some drinks. 7 p.m. comes and I ask them to go home because my five friends have shown up and we're going to be drinking. Cue the crying. They leave the garden upset, but hey, that's not my issue. They've been on the trampoline for three hours at this point. Their mum then pops her head out of her bedroom window and asks if they can stay in the garden longer. Um, no, I'm not your babysitter. She's annoyed, but drops it. Last week, I come home from some shopping and to my surprise, I found all four of the kids in my garden plus their younger cousin. I asked them to leave and tell them they can't just come into my garden without me there and they didn't even ask, but they refuse. So I shout up at their mum and tell her to get them out of my garden. She says, oh, let them play for a bit. You don't even use it. Okay, but still not your garden. Eventually we get into an argument and they leave. She's angry and shouting saying I'm being a Karen or the irony and I should let them in I tell her not to ask again because the answer will be no 
This though happened again the day after. All four kids, plus their cousin, waiting till I move the car from the drive and then heading straight into my garden when I'm gone. So I wake up this morning. I've since put a lock on the trampoline, just a small one on the mesh safety enclosure to stop them opening it up. Cause I'm petty as frick. Plus it's a Saturday. I'm not working today, it's my day off and I want a long lion. But no, the neighbor decides that at 9 a.m. this morning, her kids are being fired straight out of that house with breakfast bars and a bottle of water and heading straight into my garden. So I can hear them from my window. I look out and tell them to leave. By the time I get downstairs, the mum has descended from her house and is trying to climb the fence between our gardens, shouting about how I used to let them use it. And she's going to call the police for hitting her kids. Um, great, you do that. I'll be sure to show them the ring camera footage, which coincidentally also has footage of your husband picking the lock open so your brats can use the trampoline. Wow, even the husband's involved at this point. Unbelievable. So long story short, the entitled mother sends her kids into my garden repeatedly, even after being told not to. She actually did call the police on me for harassment and hitting her kids, but ended up getting her own husband arrested for theft and housebreaking and criminal damage. Suck it, you female dog. Now guys, that is the end of that post, but don't you worry. I know what you're saying. Is there an update? Well, today you're lucky because there is. So here is that update. The main point, I guess, is that the day after this happened, I spoke to the police about the charges and asked if they could let them go. There was a charge of theft too, because the dad had moved tools out of the way and threw them into his garden, but they got thrown back in, so I wasn't missing anything. They initially asked me if I wanted the oldest kid charged. Now she looks a lot younger. I assume she was 10, but she's actually 13, because she was the one who climbed the fence first, then went through my drive to open the gate and let the younger kids in without having to climb over. I've since seen the dad at the local shop. He just sort of apologized quickly and thanked me for letting it go. I think the realization that his daughter could have been arrested was a wake-up call. I haven't heard an explanation though. Maybe he wasn't thinking about how serious it could end up. The mum, on the other hand, absolute crazy woman. I mentioned that she told police I'd hit her kids, which is absolutely untrue, but she also decided to tell a couple of neighbors that I hit them. I actually had two of them ask me about this. She also put some sort of barbed wire at the top of her fence. What, to stop me climbing over? She's also chained her outdoor grill barbecue and dismantled the swing set I gave her when she moved in. And I thought I was petty. On a maybe related note, I had a visit from the SSPCA about animal abuse, even though I don't own any pets. They seem pretty annoyed about being called out for a prank, so I don't know what happened with that. Well, I think that's pretty obvious. I've also been asked about my sister's involvement with the story. I just mentioned her at the beginning because I wanted to explain why I was 29 and had a trampoline in my back garden. She also wasn't home at the time because she has clubs on. By the time she got back in, it was all over. Well, you know, I'm 24 and I've still got a trampoline in my garden, if that's any consolation. Overall though, I've not had any more issues from it. The trampoline is now gone. The kids haven't really been out because it's been raining the past week. I rarely see the dad around as he works and the mum spends her days in her own garden being the most obnoxious Glesgeski ma 
you could imagine. Now, I'm not entirely sure what Glasgow Ski Mar means. Um, I asked my editor, Steve-O, who some of you know, is Scottish, and even he didn't know what that means. So, uh, yeah, none the wiser. I think it just means horrible Scottish woman. That's all I can guess, and it seems pretty likely. Gotta say, OP, legendary. Very nice of you to drop the charges. It's not petty locking your own stuff up, by the way. If you know that someone is coming without permission and using your stuff, yes, lock it up. What What is going on here, by the way? It's like a whole family affair. You got the 13-year-old trying to, like, jump over and get around open your gate the dad's using bolt cutters the mum's mental this is just a typical entitled family unbelievable and in terms of having a trampoline when you're 29 years old they're fun there's nothing wrong with hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Am I the jerk for saying I'll be driving myself and paying for my own room on the upcoming family vacation So I won't have to be a babysitter I a 23 year old man was repeatedly stuck playing the part of helper and babysitter on family outings I had to move out of my parents house because I kept being forced to help watch my three nephews Last year, we took a family vacation in summer to the coast. I rode along with my parents and they paid for my hotel room. Only I had to share that room with three rowdy boys because my sister and her husband wanted a room to themselves. I was promised time to do my own things on the vacation, but instead I ended up having to help with these kids. I complained to everyone about it and was reminded I was there for free. And then we pretty much just did only one thing I wanted to do, which was tour an art gallery. I like doing this whenever I'm at the coast, but the kids find it boring. This year, my parents have a beach trip planned for June, and they assumed I'd be riding along the same way as last year. But I refused. I said I'd be driving myself and paying for my own hotel stay to have my own room. My parents were shocked and tried to remind me of the cost. I said it was no worry. I've got a good job and a decent running car. I can more than afford it. That's when the butt started. I stated the previously listed things as why I'll be driving myself and paying for myself. I want to be able to enjoy this vacation as an adult and not be treated like a child like last year. My parents told my sister and she called to blow up at me that I'll be ruining the vacation if I'm off doing my own thing while she has to wrangle her three boys. I ended up yelling at her that last year all she did was wrote me into her mess I didn't really get to do much of anything I wanted to do and I was treated like the bad guy for wanting to just go to an art gallery I'm a grown man. I deserve my own vacation too Now my sister is not speaking to me and my parents are still trying to convince me to just ride with them to keep the peace I'm still refusing but the pressure is getting to me. Am I the jerk for not giving in? I know they'll have a pretty hard time when they won't have another person there to help. Right, then immediately, let's get into this first edit. It's been barely an hour since I posted, OP says. But my sister is apparently a Reddit lurker in the mornings, and she saw my post. Not only is she furious with me, but she's also upset that no one in the comments is siding with her. To make it short, she went on a big rant about how it's so hard to be a parent to triplets, and the least I could do is help because I'm young and single, and she needs a break. I stood my ground on my decision, and now she's calling our parents to get them involved. 
I'm expecting a call from them any minute. And then a further update from OP. Well, I'm off work now, so I can tell you guys more as to what went down. I guess you could say it's over. My sister got our parents involved. They looked at my post and were absolutely horrified by the continuous influx of commenters. Yes, they're very angry with me that I posted here, but I told them that if they just listened to me to begin with, I'd have never needed to. Guys, for context, this post has over 40 thousand upvotes and over seven thousand comments and um, i'm pretty sure you guys can all work out who they're siding with i'm sick of the whole keep the peace mentality that sacrifices me to placate my sister they in turn went off on my sister and to make a long story short the whole vacation has been cancelled the hotel wasn't booked yet anyway but my parents are arguing with my sister my sister's blaming me and my nephews are crying because they aren't going to the beach My sister called me at lunch and basically implied I have no life, which is why I have time to help. I recorded that and told our parents, and that's currently what they're fighting about. And then one final small update. I wasn't going to update again, but here's a little more. Parents said that they won't ever push babysitting of my nephews on me again and have agreed that what happened last year was unfair to me. Right now, they're very angry with my sister for telling me I should help her because she thinks I have no life. My sister, though, is playing the victim. And my brother-in-law is basically saying nope to the whole mess and spending most of his time at work. Well, I don't blame him. Thank you to everyone who's commented. You made my day. Now, guys, that is the end of r slash am I the jerk for this story. But it's just the beginning of this whole escapade. Let me tell you, this now gets... A little bit crazy. We're moving on now to r slash entitled people where this story continues, but goodness me, you're gonna wanna stick around. Here we go with the second post. So then, now moving on to the second post from OP. My parents apologized, my sister did not, at least at first. A week ago, I made this throwaway account to ask Am I the Jerk a question, in which I was found to be anything but the jerk. I have too much to say to post in there as an update. So a friend recommended I come here to r slash entitled people. Now, my posting on Am I the Jerk essentially opened a Pandora's box in the family. Basically, my parents and older sister have become very comfortable with me helping with the childcare of my young triplet nephews. I didn't leave home till I was 22 because I was trying to save money while also going to college. A scholarship covered a lot and living at home kept me from getting rising debt due to my working part-time as well. I'm very thankful for this. However, after college, everyone just seemed to act like I had endless time on my hands and convinced me along on a family vacation. In this so-called vacation, I was forced to babysit my three at the time six-year-old nephews. I even had to share a hotel room with them. And believe me, those kids didn't listen to a dang thing I said on the first night until I called their mother twice. And I was treated like the bad guy for wanting to do other things during the trip. Like, if it's something the family doesn't enjoy as a whole, then it doesn't happen. Which was extremely hypocritical, because I'm family, but wasn't included in that vote. And you can bet I aired this grievance with my parents after my last post. And they've acknowledged being in the wrong. You know what? Fair enough. A lot of the parents I see on subreddits like this never acknowledge this, so that is a good sign. After that awful vacation last year, I decided it was time to move out, and did so before the summer even ended which surprised everyone as I gave them no warning. I'd landed a great job pretty much right after college thanks to an internship and used moving as an excuse to drop my commute from 45 minutes to just 15. My sister hated this the most because it meant no more free babysitting on weekends, but she still tried to make me do it. And I caved, sometimes. 
usually by being bribed with pizza. And this sort of became a new norm. But then last month, my parents announced plans for another family vacation to the same place along the coast. And they basically wanted it to go the same way. I immediately saw it for what it was, a trap. I knew that if I rode with my parents and let them buy the hotel rooms, I'd be screwed over the same way as last time. So I just casually stated I'd drive myself and pay for myself. And that is when this all started. OP then outlines exactly what happened and how they came about posting the Am I the Jerk post and how his sister, lurking on Reddit, spotted the post in less than an hour. What followed was Pandora's box. At first, the family was against me. My sister called our parents and they called me when I still had a little time to talk in the morning. My parents were on the phone with me while also reading my post. I asked them if anything in it was a lie. They sort of steered around it and called the post an exaggeration, but I pointed out numerous details that made it pretty much on the mark. Then I told them to check the comments. There were already far too many to read. I was repeatedly refreshing the page on my home PC and telling them how many comments there were. Then I told them I was sick of their mentality of keeping the peace by forcing me to placate my sister. Then I said I was out of time and we'd have to resume this later. My parents were positively horrified that hundreds if not thousands of people were commenting in a matter of hours. And later on, I told them that the numbers had basically doubled and were still growing, which only added to their horror. So I guess they were forced to take a long look at their own actions. And that right there is the beauty of r slash am I the jerk and Reddit as a whole. Making parents reconsider their entire lives. I mean, it's unbelievable, really. My sister tried to call me to complain while I was at work, but my phone was on silent till my lunch break. So all she could do was leave messages and texts. But she was persistent and managed to get through to me when I was eating my lunch. The gist of the conversation was my post had taken our parents away from her side, and now they were mad at her. In the ensuing argument between them, my parents canceled the entire vacation. Yes, they later acknowledged they just passed the blame out of embarrassment and have fully accepted fault. They told me no excuses could excuse the fact that they made me their go-to free babysitter when I wasn't even living at home anymore. They did try to backtrack a little by pointing out they never charged me rent while I was in college, but I reminded them that kids don't ask to be born and I was doing my hardest to make my own way. Then I pointed out that my father had the same kind of leg up from his parents. They let him live free of charge at home while he was in college. That basically ended any argument my parents had left. When my sister managed to call me at lunch, I presented the facts to her and she showed her true colors. She implied that I have no life and that my free time on weekends should be spent helping her because she's tired and unable to even go out without bringing her children with her unless someone is watching them. She is a stay-at-home mom with a husband that makes a decent salary. They live in a pretty decent house that's owned, not rented. And to be frank, my nephews aren't really my responsibility. They just forced them on me and expected it to stay that way. My sister angrily hung up on me, but I recorded the call and then played it to my parents later. They were furious and they basically went to war with my sister. My sister dug her heels in, blamed me, and then doubled down on her belief that my life should circle around hers. I told her that was the most narcissistic and entitled thing she's ever said about me. It took days, but her husband finally stepped in and forced her to apologize. I'd never seen her cowed like that by anyone, but she was on the verge of crying. It ended up being admitted that one of the reasons I was the go-to babysitter was because my sister didn't trust strangers. It was never about the money. Or was it? Actually, my brother-in-law thought my sister was paying me for my time watching her kids after I moved out of my parents' house. 
but she didn't even give me gas money just cash enough to order pizza for both myself and the kids and she pocketed the rest my sister had been shortchanging me for months he blew up at her when this came out during her half apology and she was forced to pay me what she owed me in cash entirely from her own savings which she looked very sore about then my brother-in-law apologized to me for his own inaction in letting my sister walk all over me and promised they'd get a normal babysitter from now on. Yes, it will cause a bit of a drop in the bucket for them, but my sister will be getting date nights back. Then came the family meeting the other day's evening. We all gathered up at my parents' house and everything was laid bare. Apologies all round and whatnot. Then my parents reinstated the family vacation. And yes, I still plan to drive myself and pay for my own hotel stay. I'll even stay in a completely different hotel if my sister tries to revert me to childcare. And I've stated this. She's promised that won't happen. And if I don't update again after the vacation in another month or so, then you'll all know everything is fine. Now guys, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you look at it, we don't have to wait until after the holiday for our next update. That came just a few days after the one I just read. Again, on our slash entitled people, now 26 days ago at the time of recording, my sister called me demanding I take my post down. Now she's more upset than ever to know how far it spread. Having a family that knows about your Reddit account has its disadvantages. Yesterday, my sister called me after I got off work to ask me if comments are still coming in. She said she cannot bear the negativity of looking at them herself because the comments are all so hurtful towards her. So I was brutally honest. At least 10 comments are still coming in daily and most of them more or less say the same things about her. She started crying and demanding I delete my Reddit posts, but I refused and told her she can cry to anyone she wants, but the posts stay up because they are my assurance she won't try to treat me like rubbish anymore. After all, she literally felt like my life should revolve around hers. She didn't pay me the babysitting money she was supposed to and pocketed it for herself and forced me to be the constant babysitter on last year's family vacation, so I had pretty much no fun the entire time. Is it really any wonder people are having so much hate for her when she treated me like that then i mentioned the posts have already spread to other websites as i was asked a couple of times to let an article be made about my situation and there are some videos that were read as well yeah maybe like this one well my sister shrieked hearing that and hung up my parents then called me begging i take the post down I've refused, stating that I only did this because they didn't stick up for me. This would have never happened if they'd told my sister to treat me like an equal and not a servant. I'm not her butler, babysitter, or handyman. I'm her freaking brother and a grown-ass man. Wouldn't they be tired of this stuff in my shoes as well? They agreed, but still begged I take the post down. I again refused and said that I'll keep making more if they don't start sticking up for me more when my sister comes crying to them. Let her clean up her own messes because all the enabling of her has led to this. I didn't father those kids. I've got a life of my own, a career I'm still new to, and hopefully, soon enough, a girlfriend, as there's someone I wanna ask out. I'm moving my life forward and I won't be held back. They can either step out of my way or keep trying to enable my sister, but I assure them that the latter would end badly for them. The only way this posting on Reddit will stop is if the drama stops. I've kept things anonymous and I've got a right to vent my very valid frustrations. Well, that left my mother crying. My father just went silent and I said, tears don't move me. They know what it would take to end this and that's to stop enabling my sister. 
Well, my sister called me again to yell at me that our parents have told her they aren't dealing with this anymore and to figure it out herself. Oh, and they told her to be nicer to me too. I just pictured her eye twitching as she internally screamed after hearing that. Be nice to my kid brother? What is this? Do I look it up on Google? Yeah, I was that sarcastic to her. But it left her crying too when I hung up. My brother-in-law called me later to get my side of the story. He was mad I'm still posting and made his wife cry. But I explained everything to him and he said he'd have another talk with my sister I'm hoping this drama finally ends here, but the family vacation is still on for late june I've already booked my room and put it in for a day off work so we can all leave on a friday My room is also not near the ones my parents sister brother-in-law and nephews will be using In fact, it's not even on the same floor and when we go to the coast when it's not a family activity I'm gonna go where I want and do what I want And you can bet I'm going to tour those art galleries, pick out on local food, and just enjoy being carefree for a change. And there we go. You're probably thinking, wow, that sounds like a good end to the story. But alas, as you can tell, there is more to come. That promised update after the family vacation was posted just 24 hours ago. Let's see what happened. This is the conclusion for now of this story update after the family vacation well the family vacation is over some things both good and bad went as expected good that my parents didn't enable my sister trying to make me babysit oh yes she did try but bad in that my sister did try to find out which room i was in but that failed and got her in trouble with her husband again firstly i made sure to tell the hotel in advance they were not to give out any of my information to anyone who asked except for the police if something needing that were to come to pass They assured me over the phone that they would not tell a soul. Then, on the day of the vacation, I left earlier in the morning than the rest of the family. I knew they wouldn't be able to get moving as a group until at least 10am, so I left at 9. Check-in wouldn't be until 1, but I wanted to make sure I had a head start. I sent out an FWI group text and was off like a shot to make the three-hour drive. My parents were upset because they'd planned a family brunch on the way, but I pointed out I was never made aware of that, so it was cancelled in favour of fast food. Like I planned, I arrived at the hotel early. Too early for check-in, but I told the desk staff I was there to make sure my parents or sister didn't give them my information. They claim they don't do that, but I told them I know for a fact it still happens sometimes, so I'm covering my butts. When they happen to be dealing with my mother, sister, and three potentially crying boys trying to guilt them at the desk, they'd better not yield, and I wanted to know if they'd try anything. They awkwardly promised me no one but me would get access to my room, then I decided to go out and get something to eat. I came back more than an hour later and there was my parents car and my brother-in-law's big suv i went to the desk to check in after making sure the lobby was clear and it was then i asked the clerk if my family had asked about me and where i was staying in the hotel yeah they did but the clerk refused to tell them my sister had apparently tried to push it but her husband shut her up i checked in went to my room and then called my folks i didn't mention i knew what they tried with the clerk and they conveniently didn't mention it either. Then we all met up as a family to go out and tour around. My sister at one point asked me to watch her kids for a moment, to which I replied, hell no, because I knew exactly what she was doing. She'd pretend to be gone for a moment and then be gone for an hour. I called her out and her husband told her to stop trying to make me watch their kids. So what did she do? She just started crying on the spot, saying that she needs a break. Her husband scolded her. He's a tired man, but he wasn't complaining. My mother gave me a nasty look, 
So I went right to her and said that if she tries to even think that I should be watching those kids I would walk away from this vacation right now It's not my job and i'm sick and tired of her and my sister acting like this Well, that made my mother start crying too And then she just started repeating the words you're right over and over again This is another old tactic of hers. She tries to look pathetic to guilt me But I just said I am right and just let it go before walking away Neither my mother or sister tried anything for the rest of the day when we got back to the hotel after dinner My family were all crowding the elevator, but I didn't get in with them They asked why and I said i'd wait for the next one My sister glared at me because she knew exactly what I was doing Then I just sat in the lobby watching youtube on my phone for 15 minutes and took the elevator up I was on a different floor and on the other end of the hotel I had a splendid night and the next morning we all went out for breakfast but I made sure they left first. I can't quite believe what I'm reading. The fact that you're having to do this on a family vacation, pretty much hide from the people you're vacationing with at the hotel is mad. But after all I've read, it makes complete sense. I was the last one out, just like I was the last one in the night before. Breakfast went fine. Then I gave an FWI that I was gonna be doing my own thing for the day. My mother tried to bring up plans to go to the aquarium and a couple of other places So I said i'd meet them for those but the rest of the day was mine until family dinner They accepted this and that day went fine too But back at the hotel that evening my sister caught me leaving my room She must have been stalking the whole floor looking for me I went back to my room to chill a bit before dinner as I was tired from walking so much And my sister was just down the hall when I left my room to meet them for dinner She tried to corner me saying that i'd ruined the family vacation for her because now it wasn't hardly any different for her than at home Since she had to wrangle her kids I called bullspit because my parents were helping her a lot Then I told her that i'm sick of this song and dance of being her scapegoat and it's already over So leave me the heck alone and get on with your life Then I started walking with her yelling. Hey, i'm trying to talk to you I told her I don't care and was going to dinner. She followed me to the elevator and we both said nothing to each other. I didn't stay silent and I told my parents and brother-in-law that my sister had stalked me to find my room. She was scolded like a child. She had a pity party. I told her to stop milking it and grow up. The old days when she could force her will on me were over. And then I walked out of the lobby and to my car. This time, I was the first one to dinner. When everyone else arrived, my sister looked depressed. But not a dang thing was said about what happened and that was just fine with me My sister refrained from eye contact with me the entire evening and this time I didn't care about riding in the elevator with the rest of them And I told them bluntly that unless it was an emergency Nobody is to come knocking on my door. I had a do not disturb sign for a reason the final day everything went swimmingly Neither my sister or mother bothered me at all. They'd fully surrendered at this point Yes, during the whole vacation, I did play with my nephews a bit. I'm not a complete jerk. I didn't stonewall them. I kept up being the fun uncle, just not the babysitter uncle. The kids didn't even seem to care. They just wanted to play. I even bought each of them one of those little baggies of crystals and polished stones to take home as a souvenir. There was a bit of mild drama between my sister and her husband, but that was just some small disagreements that I didn't bother to pay attention to. All in all, I'd call the vacation a win because it finally hit home for my mother and sister that the old way they did things involving me is over and I have my own life. 
And there we go. That is the culmination of that story, I guess, so far. The amazing thing about this post is that these four posts that I've just narrated are actually the only four posts on this entire account that OP has made on this account anyway. Now, they said right off the bat that it was a throwaway, but nonetheless, all the posts that have ever been made are those. And that's it. Pretty cool. Pretty great to see that one story can traverse a couple of subreddits. I don't know exactly what the title of this is going to be. Maybe Am I the Jerk slash Entitled People. You don't get too many collaborations on episodes of mine between subreddits, but hey, there you go. I just noticed that post and thought, okay, let's have a look back at what's been going on here. And everything seemed to align and, and be good enough for just one episode. So um, there you go. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did and you want more episodes and stories like this, where it's more of a deep dive of a family in particular or a character or one individual story that, that goes on for a longer period of time across different subreddits, you know, kind of updates. I guess in many ways, this was a very similar to a, a best of Redditor updates video. Then let me know by dropping a like on this one, commenting down below that you enjoyed it. The more comments and just general feedback I get, the more likely I am to do a video similar to this in the future. So that is the best way of letting me know. I found out the hard way yesterday that my wife is a serial shoplifter. I came home yesterday to find the police at our house. My wife told me that she'd made a very poor decision. Her claim was that she went grocery shopping but forgot her wallet and for whatever reason decided it would be a good idea to just leave with the groceries and come back to pay. This went about as well as you may have expected. It was also a lie. They caught her by catching her plate number on camera. The officer issued her a summons for sixth degree larceny, shoplifting, and a court date a couple of weeks from now. A few hours later, the house of cards fell apart. The police summoned her to the station and told her that the supermarket has biometric cameras and they matched her face to two previous incidents this year where she loaded up bags of groceries and just walked out the entrance. They had a total for each incident right down to the penny. She admitted to it, but then lied again, saying it was because money was tight. It isn't. We aren't rich, but she has a joint credit card with thousands in available credit on it. I was sitting next to her as she said it, but I kept my mouth shut. In the end, they are submitting for a warrant on two additional charges, same as the first. Internally, I wanted to completely blow up on her. What she has done is going to cost me thousands in lawyer fees for certain, and for her, possibly her career. I'm so beyond angry right now. I did not go off on her though. I did my best as the stoic supportive husband. Reaming her out would have accomplished nothing positive. I've already been researching lawyers for her this morning. I think I found a good one, one with a strong public service background with the town. I'm hoping that she can end up with just a fine, community service, or possibly even continued without a finding. I'm also going to be looking for therapists to try to help the underlying issue. The toughest part for the lawyer is going to be that she's already admitted to everything to the police. She can't tell me why she did it. There very well could be dozens of other incidents I don't know about. She did say she'd done it at least a couple of times long before we met. Words cannot begin to express my level of frustration right now. I've spent years trying to put us on a better footing, only to have her kick me in the financial nuts with this incident. I barely slept last night, and I doubt she did either. Okay, and there we go. You know what, guys? I know that OP is obviously trying to help out someone that he, he loves a lot. It's his wife. I get that. From my perspective, I just don't know if I could be with someone like this. Like, if if I find this out about someone, and it's easy for me to say because you know I'm I'm not I don't have a wife. I've not been in love with someone for X amount of years, like like Op has, and probably has a you know, crazy life together, or whatever. I just don't know if I could do it anymore. For me, stealing is literally the lowest of the low. It's such a like it's such a bad thing to do. I don't even care who you're stealing from, even if it's a massive company with X trillions. I hate it. 
Like it's something that I will never do. I never have done. Even like from a you know your corner shop stealing a sweet. I'll never do that. I just don't understand it. I think it is literally the lowest of the low. So if if someone is doing this in my life, the amount of respect I'd instantly lose to them is mental. Now I do like OP that you, that you're saying you're trying to help and that you're going to go through therapy and all that. What I don't like is that you're saying that you want to try and find the best lawyer possible. I understand it. But ultimately, I really hope your wife gets punished for this. It's disgraceful. It really is. Um, look, I rate you posting it online because it's a pretty kind of horrible thing to talk about. And I, I know you're looking for advice and all that stuff. But from my perspective, I'd say, really, I would have to question being with this woman. Sorry if that's a little bit too harsh. It's just what I'm thinking. Never warn anyone if they're about to be fired. It creates a dangerous situation in the workplace, especially for women, and I will never do it again. About two years ago, I was inadvertently made aware that one of my coworkers was about to be fired that Friday. We will call him Carl. Apparently, Carl had made a habit of annoying the wrong people and making misogynistic comments in front of his female supervisor. Surprisingly, that's not what actually got him fired. What finally did Carl in was the fact that he stupidly chatted up some powerful guy's wife at a company social event the week prior. Rule number one for company social events, never, ever, ever be too chatty with random women. Stick to the people you know. You never know who she's married to and how powerful and insecure her husband may be. I only found out about Carl's pending firing because my job duties required me to spend a lot of time around upper management. My proximity to the halls and offices of upper management allowed me to overhear a conversation about his pending firing. And since none of the upper management personnel was aware that I knew Carl personally, they spoke freely about him right in front of me. They laughed for several minutes about everything involving Carl, from his mediocre work ethic, the chatting up somebody's wife incident, his wardrobe, and the inappropriate misogynistic comment he was accused of making in front of his female supervisor. I basically sat there stone-faced and disinterested to hide the fact that I knew Carl personally. It must have worked because they kept going on and on about just how mediocre he was. When I was finally able to sneak away, I consulted one of my buddies for advice. I told him that Carl was getting fired on Friday and I asked if we should warn Carl. This was on a Monday afternoon and we both agreed that despite Carl's many flaws, it would be the decent thing to do to warn him so that he can start his job search a few days early huge mistake the next day tuesday arrives and we invite carl out to lunch after we're all done eating we break the news to carl we tell him that we caught wind that he's getting fired on friday and there's nothing he can do to reverse it we also advised him to start his job search immediately and to call out sick on friday so that they're forced to fire him over the phone versus humiliating him by having him escorted out by security on friday which is standard procedure we also made him promise to keep a low profile the rest of the week and not make it obvious that he was aware of his fate a promise that he only kept for the 20 minutes it took us to drive back to the office because within minutes of arriving back at the office, he stormed into his female supervisor's office and accused her of hating men, sabotaging his career, and actively working to get him fired. We weren't present for this part of the story, but apparently, after storming her office so aggressively, she asked him to leave immediately. When he refused, she literally screamed for help. That is when several people with an earshot came running to see what was taking place. When they forcefully removed him from her office, he took off running to HR. But in the midst of all of this chaos, his supervisor panicked and pulled the fire alarm, assuming that he was running off to get a weapon to come back and harm her with. I was completely oblivious to all of these events. So when I heard the fire alarm, I assumed it was a normal fire drill. Everyone on my floor casually exited the building via the stairwells. But when we made it outside, we were greeted by several police vehicles arriving 
and cops literally running full speed into the building that's when we were all told to go home for the day i was still completely oblivious that all of this was for carl I actually found out later on social media that Carl triggered all of the chaos. The next day, I also found out that when the cops were searching the building for him, they found him sitting outside of HR, waiting for the fire drill to end so that he could file a complaint against his supervisor. He'd assumed it was a normal fire drill as well. He had no clue it was his supervisor that had pulled the alarm on him because she was afraid of him becoming an active shooter. He was fired on the spot. Didn't even make it to Friday. And this is why I would never tip anybody off ever again. Lesson officially learned. Yeah, I'll be honest. I I don't really get why you'd want to warn Carl about him being fired. He doesn't seem like a nice person. Why would you warn someone like this? That's that's what I'm getting at. Unless you're mates. Uh, you, You said that he's actually quite a nice guy or something, didn't you? You said that he's actually not that bad. But he's misogynistic and clearly has anger issues right? I just don't really know why it would be in your interest to say this to him in the first place, let alone thinking, telling anyone about them being fired because yeah, you're risking a big reaction like this. And to be honest, how would you react if you were told by a coworker, oh yeah, by the way, you're getting fired in three days. You'd probably be pretty irate and, and want to go get answers and not really care anymore and go off the wall. So in that, to that respect, I don't really blame Carl for his reaction, but yeah, just a weird thing to do anyway. Tell someone they're going to be fired. It's not really much of a warning anyway. Three days, what are they going to do? go and get a new job in three days i highly doubt it so i know you're saying that you'd never tip anybody off ever again i wouldn't have done that ever in the first place what do you think would you tell someone if they were as unhinged as carl i don't think i would have done my parents asked me to learn how to clean and bury corpses it's been over a month now for the civil war that happened in my country sudan things have been going downhill ever since and so is my patience and mental health it's been 21 days of no electricity and water and our food in the fridge or what's left of it is all spoiled and rotten we're running out of cash and i don't know how to run things anymore the stalls all around us are closed and all of our cash got spent on buying water from the milk fan we can't afford milk because it's way too expensive and we need the cash for both my mother and dad's medicine the rsf forces are robbing all the nearby houses and it's only a matter of time before they reach ours I can't imagine my mother getting assaulted or my dad getting shot to death. And there are only 10 hospitals in the country and they only treat the military forces and announce the dead civilians. I figured we have to flee to the States, but I fear we might get killed on the way. And with no income and my dad being 80 and mum being 50 and weak, it's up to my 19 year old butt to hit the streets and find a job. But no one is hiring, not even a maid or a babysitter. And I never imagined that one day I'd go from being a medical student to a panhandler in the streets. Yesterday, it was 2 a.m. when a bomb hit the airport and it lit up the whole sky and shook the house and broke all our windows, doors, kitchen utensils and ornaments. My mother sat down and talked to me about her will and that if she dies, she wants things to go according to her will and that I should learn how to do Guzul al Mayat. As I'm writing this, tears are stinging my eyes and her words keep circling my head and I just want to bury myself and relieve myself from all of this. But my parents have no one but me to support them and I would do anything for them and I would sacrifice everything for them even if it costs my happiness and well-being. Now, guys, for those of you that don't know, like me, I've just looked it up there. Guzal Mayat is performed on a deceased Muslim. It's usually carried out by family members who are the same sex as the person who has died. It involves washing all parts of the body with soap and water in a specific way while maintaining privacy and dignity. 
pretty much Opie's mum is saying if the worst comes to the worst here, you might be the one that needs to know how to do this. Wow. What a just frankly disgusting thing to hear. Oh my goodness me. That is just, yeah. Wow. I mean, the first two stories were, were pretty tough. This is just horrific. Absolutely horrific. I'm, what can I say other than that? I'm just so sorry, OP, that you're in this situation. I really hope that everything going on in, in Sudan improves as, as quickly as possible and there are no more deaths. Sadly, it seems unlikely, but goodness me. That is just a tough story. Where do I even begin with that one? other than saying that just yeah i completely can't believe that you're in that situation sometimes when i when i'm you know a little bit upset about things in my life or i'm like oh it's not as good as it should be i think about things like this i'm like okay you've got it pretty good my friend and let's be honest the majority of us doing this right now you know the fact that you're even able to listen to a podcast or watch this video the fact that i'm able to record it in peace is an absolute blessing that is a crazy story I'm going to be honest, those first three stories have been pretty negative. And, and some of them, some of the, the, the stories that you see on True of My Chest are quite negative. You know, they're anonymous for a reason. So for that reason, the next two stories, the next two posts I'm going to narrate in this episode are going to be positive. All right, we're going to change it up. I'm going to find some happy ones and we're going to end this episode on a good note. Here we go. I've been reverse pickpocketing my parents for years and I think I'm addicted to it. When I was younger, I noticed how excited my mother would get over finding money on the ground or in the wash, even if it was only a dollar. Once I was a bit older and had a job, I realized that I had money I could spend however I wanted. My parents didn't really like receiving random gifts when it wasn't a holiday or birthday, so I started sneaking ones and fives into their wallets, bags, and even coat pockets. It made me so happy to see how excited my mum would get, even though it wasn't much money. And sometimes my dad would bring home candy with the surprise extra money. I'm an adult now, and I still live with my parents. They let me live with them super cheap, even though money has been a little tight the last few years. They don't like it when I just give them money to help, even if they pay me back. So I've started reverse pickpocketing 10s and 20s. My mum gets especially excited and tells me about all the money she found. My dad doesn't vocalize that he found it. He just brings home ice cream or fast food for the family. The problem is I can't stop. It's not putting me at a detriment because they don't charge much for rent, but I'm worried I'll get caught soon. I'll probably stop once our financial situation is a bit better in a year or so. I just absolutely love the smile it brings to my mother's face and the smile my dad has when he surprises us with a special treat. It's worth the 20 to $30 every paycheck. I don't do it too often, but it's been going on for so long, I think I'm addicted to it. And then we go, that is more like it. That is the sort of story that I absolutely love. Super nice of you. And you know what? I also completely rate your parents so highly. The fact that your dad doesn't even want to say that he, he found the money. He just, he's almost embarrassed by the fact that he's found it and just immediately goes to spend it on the family straight away, giving them a treat is so nice. Your parents are clearly lovely people. Even in financially hard times, they still don't want any help from someone like you, their child, who's actually doing pretty well for themselves it seems just very kind people all around a lovely family an amazing selfless thing to do op yeah that's more like it a great story and the good news is we've got time for one more and now for our final story of this episode my little brother sent me a meme that made me cry he's almost 13 and i'm in college Sometimes he comes over during the weekend and depending on whether I have free time or not, we go catch a movie, visit the city, plan activities or hang out in my room and play video games. There's been times when I had so much to study that we couldn't leave my room at all. 
He plays games on my laptop. I have a gaming one, so he's able to play more recent games and I cook meals for us. He sent me a meme. It was a random shot from a movie in which a guy was walking away visibly sad. The caption was, POV, 12-year-old me leaving the bro's house after having the best weekend of gaming and watching movies with him. It made me cry during class. I know he treasures these moments with me and we're also going through some rough moments in our life. I'm doing my best to be by his side because I understand how important it is to have a support system. He's been more open to me about a lot of stuff and I feel like our relationship has grown deeper since I moved for college last autumn. I love him to death. And there we go. What a way to end the episode. See see what I mean, guys? I don't know. You let me know in the comments down below. Do you prefer the, the tough true off my chest stories the stories which i'll be honest i kind of feel like are suitable for this subreddit the ones that this subreddit was kind of made for you know speaking anonymously really asking for help or just saying something terrible that's going on in your lives or the lives of people around you i think that's kind of what the subreddit is for you know if you're getting something off your chest it's normally a negative thing however those past two stories make you feel good so let me know what do you prefer the the first three the last two or a mixture of both like what i've just done there let me know in the comments down below mess with my kids lose your house i am a 50 year old man and i've got two stepsons who i just call my sons as i've been in their life since they were eight and ten and they're now young men my wife and i made it a point to have a great relationship with their dad jason and made sure he had a chance to be around as much as possible even staying at our place frequently to be around his boys as he lived over an hour away and couldn't afford to live closer. Jason had a crazy ex-girlfriend who tried to claim they were married, variously saying common law or that they were married in secret or married on an Indian reservation, but he had a restraining order out against her because she was nuts and had tried various ways to screw up his life. The ex is a horrible person. She's been arrested several times for forgery and fraud. She and Jason had a fiery relationship, but he had it in his head that he should make it work as he did like her daughters and grandson. But the ex got him sent to prison for violating his probation when he left the county to go to his mum's funeral and hadn't filed an appropriate form. I am a little unclear on this part, but she played a major role in it. After he got out several months later, she wanted him back and he wasn't having it. He made a clean break, moved to a new town, but she continued to harass him, thus leading to the restraining order. She would send texts to people, pretending to be police investigating, saying he was drunk driving or taking drugs or pretending to be friends and family to spread rumors and hurt him. She even sent texts to my kids from burner phones pretending to be other family or friends saying awful things about their dad now jason died unexpectedly of a heart attack and it was a shock to all of us he was finally living in peace had great relationships with friends and his sons and was the happiest he'd ever been he didn't have much he lived in a single wide trailer a friend had let him stay in for free some boxes of tools old comics video games DD books and modules mementos from his time in the marines and an old 2009 pickup, which on several occasions he'd promised my oldest son. Let's call him Paul. Jason didn't have a will, and my wife became the executor of the estates, because at the time of death, both the sons were minors and sole heirs. We packed up the things out of Jason's trailer and took the truck. 
which had Jason's name on the title, but had to wait for the death certificate to retitle it in Paul's name. But the ex called Jason's sister, demanding the truck, saying it was hers, and posting on Facebook that she was reporting it as stolen, etc., which really angered me. After we got the death certificates, we went to the DMV and found out that she had stolen the title to the truck by forgery, saying she was the only heir and we couldn't transfer the title. My son was driving around with a packet documenting everything in case he was pulled over for driving a stolen vehicle. My son was driving around with a packet documenting everything in case he was pulled over for driving a stolen vehicle. We had to get a lawyer and start a special process that took several months before our director at the DMV fixed it and we were able to title the truck with the ex continuing to threaten and cause problems, making everyone miserable and costing us several thousands in legal fees. Early last year, we got through probate courts. The ex never showed, in spite of saying that she was the wife and sole heir. The court declared the boys as the sole heirs and my wife as executor of the estate in their names. Instead of showing up, the ex sent an email to the court saying she couldn't make it because of work, she doesn't have a job, and that Jason was never around his kids. He didn't miss a single high school football game, home or away, and never missed a home track meet, and that they were just leeching off his SSI for the back child support. She went on with a bunch of other non-relevant stuff just to trash my wife and sons and pretty much said it didn't matter what the judge said that she should get everything. During this time, we found out that Jason's name was on the deed of the ex's house. In order to get a reduction in property taxes because of Jason's disabled veteran status, she had filed papers to put him on the deed, but not the mortgage. If she'd just left my kids alone, we would have let it go. But she'd pushed principle beyond the point of detail So we filed suit for half the house. The property is worth about $380,000. We went to court-ordered mediation and she rejected a mediated settlement of a fraction of the value which we would have taken. In April, her lawyer dropped her and so she got a continuance on the first hearing. She then claimed that she had found a will from Jason designating her as sole heir in addition to another signed paper that she found as a quitclaim deed from Jason for the house. I did wonder if it was this or her not paying him, which caused him to drop her. She was going to go back to probate court to reopen, I guess, appeal, the probate, and needed time for that, which the judge granted. On Tuesday, we finally went to court on the deed to the house. Again, she no-showed. The judge had inquiries to the probate court and she never filed any papers. The trial lasted less than 10 minutes as the judge recorded the facts and awarded the estate half the property. They will impanel three lawyers to determine how the property will be sold and she's going to lose her house and for the first time in her miserable life, face the consequences of her actions. Frick around and find out. And there we go. That is the end of that one. I've got to say, first of all, OP, congratulations for winning the case. But I can't help but feel that it's very sad that Jason isn't around anymore, or indeed wasn't around during the culmination of the story. And now to see his kids grow up. You and your wife are doing an amazing thing. It's such a shame that that woman is just knocking about. I mean, why is she trying to fake a marriage that never happened? I mean, I know why, but come on. That's so easy to see through with just a little bit of questioning, right? Do you have the papers? No. Have you forged some things in the past? Yes. Hmm, maybe you're lying. Tough one. Uh, But yeah, overall, it's a shame that Jason isn't around. But yes, as I said, you and your wife are doing an amazing job for these kids. I will just say though, it might be worth getting some form of protection in place because I feel like now that she has literally nothing, and again, not your fault that she has nothing, you completely gave her the option, right? And as you said, 
if she hadn't messed with you, you wouldn't have messed with her house. I feel like there's a chance she may now come after you because at this point, what has she got to lose? So as long as you have some form of plan in place, if that is to happen or some protection order or some sort of legality, that would be good and make me feel better and um, I'll be able to sleep at night. Until you do that, I'm going to be a little bit worried because uh, yeah, I feel like she might be hot on your tails quite soon. But nonetheless, great revenge, very much deserved. Now moving on to our next revenge story of this episode. Now this one is an absolute classic posted over six years ago. One of my favorite posts of all time. Can't you just unload around me? So this happened earlier today and was too perfect to not share with you guys. I work in construction as the foreman for a new house build. The location is kind of strange. The house is 250 feet up a hill via a footpath only. All of our materials have to come up that footpath by hand. It's a pain in the butt to manually carry, quite literally, an entire house up this hill. One of our saving graces is having the two parking spots on the street at the bottom of this hill marked with official no parking signs. Unfortunately, there is an elementary school about half a block away, and the parents of children seem to regularly, at least twice a day, think it's okay to park in our spots. Now, I consider myself a reasonable person. So if someone is parked in the spots and we don't have a delivery or need to park a truck, I'll let it go. But if we need the spots and there's someone parked there, I will ask them to move nicely. And most of the time they do so immediately until today. I get a phone call from the lumber delivery truck that is en route to our location. He says he'll be there in about two or three minutes. I let him know that I'll meet him at the street and make sure he has space to park. He's carrying all of the material to frame the roof of our house, which is a lot of really big lumber and will take easily an hour to bring up the hill. So naturally, I didn't want him parked in the middle of the street with his hazards on for an hour when we have a perfectly good parking spot for him. As I begin my trip down the hill, I notice there is a school parent sitting in her car idling, assuming she's just waiting to pick up her child. I walk up to her car and politely let her know that she is parked in a no parking zone and we really needed to clear it to park a delivery truck. But she scoffs at me and rudely states back, I'll just be a few minutes and your truck isn't here. Take a chill pill, dude. Before I can respond, a giant lumber truck comes around the corner and I wave to him and then gesture towards him to the woman in the car who's now put her window back up to ignore me. I put on my best customer service smile and wave at her through the window. She puts it down halfway and angrily shouts, what? By now the truck has pulled up alongside her car and I politely ask her again with a stronger tone of voice to move her vehicle, reminding her that she's illegally parked in a tow away zone. Then she gives me this wonderful idea. She says, can't you guys just unload around me? Jesus, it's not that hard. I give her another smile and walk away. A brilliant plan forming in my head. I instruct the delivery driver to park as closely to her as possible and block her in with the porta potty that is at one end of our reserved spots and the parked car that is parked just adjacent to our spots on the other end. He smiles because he immediately gets what I'm trying to do and proceeds to expertly block this lady and her car into a little two parking spot jail. We unstrap the lumber and my guys begin humping material up the hill. Meanwhile, I call the police parking enforcement to let them know the situation. At this point in time, I wasn't trying to get her in trouble. I just wanted a record of why we were blocking part of the street so that we don't get in trouble with the city. The very friendly traffic officer lets me know that she can be there in about 30 minutes and deal with the situation for me. 
Wonderful. As we continue to unload lumber, the child of the parent shows up. And wouldn't you know it, mum is just now realizing that the lumber truck is parked so close that she can't get out of her driver door to meet her kid. She awkwardly clambers across the inside of her car and stumbles out the passenger door, shooting glaring looks at me and the truck driver in the process. She loads her kid into the back and then begins to realize that she has no way of leaving. She comes storming up to myself and the driver and states, I'm in a big hurry. You need to move your dang truck right now so I can go. Before I can respond, the driver gets a grin on his face and says, Mom, in order to unload the lumber on the truck, we had to unstrap it. And per our company policy, I'm not allowed to move the truck with any unsecured load on it. Sorry. This sends her into near aneurysm levels of blood pressure. Meanwhile, I can barely contain my laughter. Screw your policy. I have somewhere to be. She barks back at him. At this point, with impeccably convenient timing, the parking enforcement officer shows up and parks behind the truck. She doesn't see the officer arrive, and while the officer is still getting out of her vehicle, I just casually say, can't you just pull out around it? It's not that hard. With the biggest poop-eating grin I've ever had, I watch as she realizes that I just used her line on her. Screw you, she yells and storms back to her car and angrily clambers back in through the passenger door and into the driver's seats. At this point, the officer is walking up to myself and the driver, but before she can even introduce herself, the mum in the car slams it into reverse and stomps on the gas, crashing into our porta potty and knocking it over. Then she throws the car into drive and tries to mount the curb and drive on the sidewalk. The officer, driver and I are staring in disbelief as she gets halfway over the curb and gets stuck. I can hear her screaming obscenities over the idling truck from inside her car. The officer promptly walks up to the door of the car and orders her out. My favorite part of the entire thing is watching her face go to shock as she realized she just did all of that in front of a police officer. She gets slapped in cuffs as the parking officer calls for a second unit and she's promptly sat on the very curb she tried to drive over. She sits on the curb yelling to the now two officers about how we told her she could stay there and that we never asked her to move. The traffic officer responds that she was the one who was originally called when she first refused to move and that she already knows what's going on. While myself and the driver are giving a report to the second officer, my guys finish moving the remainder of the lumber and the driver finishes his statement and takes off to go back to the yard. By the end of the ordeal, she was arrested, charged with child endangerment her kid was in the back of the car the whole time. Reckless driving, destruction of property, the porta potty, and driving on a suspended license. On top of all of that, she also got her car towed. The kid went home with his grandma, and she went to spend some quality time in a cell. I never expected her to actually heed my advice to just pull out around it, but I think next time she'll probably think twice about parking in a tow-away zone if she ever gets a license again and there we go guys hopefully you now see why this is one of my favorite stories that has ever been posted on reddit i mean that's just brilliant i just got the picture of her in my head her in her car just completely sandwiched in just beautiful beautiful stuff and ultimately if she just followed the rules and not parked somewhere that literally says no parking none of this would have happened completely her fault what you guys did was not illegal i mean she literally said can't you just unload around me You did just that. Fine with me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I do feel for her kid because yeah, 
reversing into a portaloo and then trying to smash through a curb and maybe through the van as well i don't know through the lorry pretty dangerous stuff i was a bit surprised when i saw that charge child endangerment but then thinking about it, it makes complete sense and uh yeah hope the kid's all right what's amazing about this story is that in every single paragraph there was a moment in which this karen could easily have just been like okay you know what i'm done I've made mistakes here. I apologize. Not even apologize, just say, fine, I was wrong. And just move or continue on with her day and not cause this terrible outcome. Every single moment, though, that she was offered that chance, and you offered her multiple, OP, she said, you know what? No, I'm doubling down. I'm going again. And she kept making the story and her situation and her kid's situation, sadly, worse and worse at every moment. That is the problem with these people. They have chances to get out of it. It starts off pretty chill. Please, can you just move out of the spot? It's no parking. Oh, yeah. Annoying for me because I would like to pick up my kid, but I'll do it. You have another chance. We're not going to go to the police. Just please move. Oh, we can load around you. Are you 100% sure? You see what I mean? At every moment, she could have just said, you know what? You're right. I'm gone. But she didn't. And that was her own downfall. I very rarely tell you guys about real stories that happened to me in my life. So I thought in this one, why not? Let's do it. Something happened to me and my flatmates recently in this flat, as you can probably tell by the title and thumbnail. And uh, yeah, you know what? Let's talk about it. Why not? It's a rare occurrence that something like this happens to me in my life. I mean, it's never happened to me before, but why not? Let's do it. Um, also, before we get into this, the reason why I've got all this like, you know, cream around my eyes, if we're being real, is because I have dry eyes and I put cream in my eyes. So there you go. But nonetheless, I'm going to break this down into a few different parts, kind of, you know, what we were thinking at the time, the, the outcome, what happened with the police who got involved and the conclusion first proper story i think that's like an actual life event that's happened to me that's probably worth telling on this channel so i hope you're ready and i hope you enjoy it and i hope you give me some good advice down below in the comments as to just what was going on here but um yeah nonetheless let's go okay so this happened last wednesday now first of all guys if you didn't know I um I moved out of my parents' home. When was this? Back in March. March of this year. So what, four months ago now? And I moved into, I live in London. I live in West, Southwest London, but moved into slightly more central London. Just, you know, a bit more going on. Moved in with my friends who I've known for like over 20 years. And uh, it's been great. However, this is the first time that something's happened in our, in our new flat. And uh, yeah, it was a little bit disconcerting. Nonetheless, let me set the scene. So it's a random Wednesday night. When was it? Let's get the exact date, just so we know for sure. The 28th of June was the date. Me and two of my flatmates are just chilling in the living room, you know, having fun, messing about, chatting, whatever. It's a random Wednesday night, guys, if I hadn't said already. Uh, it's about a quarter to 11 at night. So dark outside, sun is set, dusk is been and gone. To give a little bit more context, I live in a flat. It's part of four different flats on two floors above a shop. So we have a shop. Then above that, we have our flat and another flat. Then above that, we have another flat and another flat. So four flats total. And all of those flats are owned by the same people, the landlord, the company, and they all have one main front door. So you enter any of those flats, first of all, through this main front door, which is you know, down there, if you can see where I'm pointing, pretty much next to the shop. At that front door, there are four different doorbells, one, two, three, four, for all the four flats. Pretty self-explanatory. There's also a camera system so you can see who is ringing the doorbell when they ring it. So out of nowhere, at quarter to 11 at night on the Wednesday, we get a ring at the door and um, I go and have a look and it's this random bloke in an Adidas tracksuit who I do not know. Now, bear in mind, quarter to 11, yeah. I'm like, well, probably not going to answer that given that it's late at night and also we're about to like 
go to bed. I mean, not me. I'm about to come to my desk and do some work, but the others are about to go to bed and we're all just kind of chilling out, like, you know, doing whatever, not getting some random bloke around to our house who I don't know. So don't answer. I don't, don't speak on the intercom either because I'm like, well, obviously not coming in. They probably got the wrong address, you know, whatever. Go back to the living room, but then rings again and again and again and again and keeps ringing, like holding the intercom doorbell. And at that point, I'm like, what is going on? Like, why is this random bloke who none of us know ringing the doorbell? Bit of a weird one, but yeah, maybe drunk, maybe got the wrong address. I don't know. Let's just leave him to it and I hope he like goes away or whatever. Who really cares? Then here, all of a sudden, him ringing the second flat. Now, can't really hear the second flat's intercom. It's just over there. Can't really hear it but you can kind of like just about make it out. And after him ringing that Ardor by like three, four, five times, I'm kind of like, what the f what's he doing? And so I can, I'm, I'm listening out. We're all listening out. Then we hear the second doorbell go just about. I'm like, okay, so he's doing the same to the second flat. And then all of a sudden we kind of hear him come in and like come up the stairs, our communal stairs in the block of flats. And at that point we're like, okay, what's going on? Then all of a sudden we hear like banging at our door, at our flat door, just there. And at that point, I'm like, okay. So for some reason, our other, like another person who lives in a flat with us has let them in for an unknown reason. And like, they don't know them, by the way, they just let them in. Um, and they're now at our door, banging at the door. Now we can't see just outside the door. I mean, you have like a little viewfinder, whatever, but not looking at that. But then we're just like, okay, what is going on? So instantly we go and like lock the door, double lock it, you put the chain across, whatever. Then we look at the intercom again, the camera, and see like three other guys at the, at the main door, like coming in to the block of flats. And I'm just like, what is going on at this point? Don't know what these these people's objective is like, what is going on why they're just like running into our flat seemingly and now like hammering on the door so i say to all my flatmates i'm just like okay call the police like what what the f going on here very strange one um kind of scary at the time but like okay i don't know if these guys are trying to get in it seems like they are for an unknown reason like do they have a weapon on them sounds silly but they, they could have done like what's their motive all the stuff's going through our heads at the moment and we're just like what is actually happening here so i'm like yeah call the police do it now and just ask questions later then thankfully we have a pretty solid front door like it's pretty thick i mean so is the main one downstairs into the building entirely but unfortunately flat two let them in for an unknown reason uh i'm not, I'm not bitter not annoyed at that we'll get to that later they're at our door now and we're just like what's going on call the police police are like okay we'll be there at 15 minutes and i'm like no it's way too long they're threatening to come in. They're trying to smash our door down. They might, and they, they ask me like, do they have weapons? Do you see they have weapons? And I'm like, I've got no idea, but they might. Like, they know we're in here. Like the lights are all on everything they can see from outside. At this moment, I'm like, I need to work out what is going on here. So I look out the window just down here and a couple of other people are still there. And I'm like, oh, they must be from that same group of people. Like three, four guys out door, two girls are outside. And I'm just, I like, I open the window. I'm like, what the is going, what, what is going on here? I'm calling down. I'm like, what are you lot doing? You're like, we've called the police. What are you doing? I'm kind of a bit scared at that point, to be honest. I'm like, what is going on? And then this girl like shouts up at our window. It's like, I know you've stolen our phone or my phone. And I'm just like, what? And I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? You're like, you've intruded in our flat. You're smashing our door down. What are you doing? And then she's like, earlier today, someone in a balaclava on a moped drove past me and took my phone out of my hand. And I was like, okay, didn't ask, first of all. Secondly, like, do you really think that was me? Do you think I'm the sort of person that would do that? I mean, they don't know me, but fair enough. What transpired was, and the reason why they were there in the first place, I now believe, and we now believe, is that that person had had their phone stolen. And if you know about iPhones and find my iPhone, they had the ping of find my iPhone, and it was pinging in our 
like this area right here. So as a result, I think that they thought that for some reason we had stolen it, our flat in particular. Now I, I have I have a lot of you know doubts about that, which I will get to later. But for now in the story, I think that is why they were there. Now, first of all, why they came at quarter to eleven at night, I don't know. And also why they just chose our flat in particular rather than any other flat is another question that I still have. Nonetheless, that gave me a little bit more context as to what was going on here. And made me think, okay, these guys aren't like madmen that are completely like drunk or whatever or you know off their face on whatever sort of drug or anything i was a bit more like okay i understand now well to be fair i say that i didn't really i was still like panicking i was just like what the fuck is, what is going on we were all just like kind of distressed i probably haven't conveyed that enough my flatmate's heart rate was at 138 for those of you that know about heart rates and my other flatmate had a shot of whiskey so that was the level uh there we go now they said out the window that they'd also called the police and i was like why have you called the police as well? You're the ones that are like coming into our building, smashing the door down, threatening, saying, we're coming in. Now they're saying, I know you've stolen our phone. We're coming in. Really weird one. The police show up and they're just like, well, you can hear them outside. They might be back. I live, we, we live on like a main road. So police coming past is not that, not that, um, not, not that rare. They took ages to come. They're like 15 minutes. Like, come on. They were like, yeah, we were changing shifts. All right, come a bit quicker next time. Nonetheless, they came and it was, it was it was so strange. So I was on the phone to the police and I was like, where are you? And they were like, oh, a car's now here. I was like, I don't see a car. None of us see a car. None of us hear any sirens. They were like, no, trust me, it's there. Then they put me on with one of the policemen who were, who were there and they were like, yeah, we're outside. Let us in. So I did. Open the door. Right. They said, no, 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 police. Open the door. Four police, four policemen. Well, I don't know what we call them. Officers there. Two women, two men. And behind them. Is this, is this geezer, like the same guy that rang the doorbell in the first place with the tracksuit on, like the same bloke. And he's just like seemingly with them. And I'm so dumbfounded by this. I'm like, what is going on? Why have you let this guy into our apartment block? He does, he's not a resident here. What is going on? They immediately asked me and my two flatmates who are behind me, have you guys stolen the phone tonight? Be honest. And we're just like, what? Uh, absolutely gobsmacked i'm just like what are you talking about i've just felt very very threatened for possibly the first time in my life in my own home and you're asking me this i'm just like i'm honestly just like gob i'm just like what no first of all obviously not do we look like we, we would have done that second of all these guys just come into our flat and yeah really weird one i did not expect them to say that also one of them was wearing shorts so make it that what you will i mean i'm wearing shorts now but i'm not a police officer Crazy, I know. After that, when the police have arrived, I've, I've calmed down a little bit. We've calmed down a little bit. We're, we're, we're like, okay, at least we're not going to die at this moment. Another thing in our flat is there's no escape. Like if someone comes through the front door with a knife, as, as crazy as this sounds, it was going through our heads. If someone comes through the door with a, with a knife, you can't really get out. There's like my, my mate's room right at the end that has a window that we could probably like jump out of or clamber out of, but we're not at ground level, we're on the first floor. You can't just jump down. You're gonna get injured. So, you know, we were thinking about that as well. A very stressful situation. But nonetheless, the police are like, have you stolen the phone tonight? We're like, obviously not. Also, what is going on? Why have you let this guy into our building again? And then they look at him and they're like, well, he, he thinks that you've stolen his phone or one of his friend's phones. And we're like, first of all, that is so besides the point. I don't care what he thinks. He's been smashing, or him and his friends have been smashing our door down, threatening us, saying we're coming in no matter what. They just seem to forget about that. Then he starts getting in the mixer and he's like, it's so suspect that you guys didn't answer the phone, the doorbell. If you'd answered, we would have left. And I was like, first of all, I have absolutely no right 
or, or no reason to answer the doorbell to you, someone that I don't know, a complete stranger, again, at quarter to 11 at night. Now this goes back to my previous point, come earlier in the day, come in the daytime, come with not six of you, come with like two of you or one of you, the person whose phone got stolen and actually like ask a proper question rather than just ringing the bell. As I say that, and then the policeman turns to me, he's like, oh yeah, actually, no, he's got a point. I wouldn't open the door either. And I was like, I was like, what, whose side are you on? It was so bemusing. It was baffling, to be honest. Then they're like, they're like, yeah, well, we have no warrant. We're not going to come in. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to come in, obviously. You guys didn't know, by the way, I need to you know, put this in here. If I hadn't become a YouTuber, I probably would have been a, a detective. I was going through that entire process. Actually, I was actually up to the last, the final stage of that application process when YouTube kind of took off and I was like, well, yeah, I'm going to stick with YouTube for now. So not, not, I'm saying that I know how to police, but I know a little bit about like how things should be done slightly. I didn't get trained, but I did a lot of the application of it and we went through a lot of different scenarios. I was very shocked by how they acted. They eventually were like, okay, we're going to leave. We have no warrant to come in. I was like, yeah, of course you don't. First of all, and second of all, wouldn't let you in anyway. That's not true, but yeah, they have they had no warrant. I'd said to them, come in, look for a phone. Just get these guys to like F off. Obviously they couldn't. As they're leaving with the bloke as well, like randomly with them tagging along. One of the, the, the women says to me, oh, by the way, if they come back, just call us. And I was like, oh yeah, that's great. How about tell them not to come back into our flat ever again? And secondly, you took so long to come here the first time. I wouldn't even call you. You're a disgrace. I didn't say any of that last bit, but I wanted to. And uh, yeah, then... That was that. And the police left, the guys left as well. That group of like six people, two guys, four girls, they left as well. However, we were just left there at that point thinking, first of all, what on earth is going on? First time that's ever happened to any of us. Pretty much people were trying to break into our house while knowing that three of us were in there, three guys. I'm the smallest of which who is six foot. And I mean, I'm not like big, but you know, I'm, I have a frame, whatever that means. The other two guys who are here, uh, who I won't name, but who were here are much bigger than me one of them gyms a lot the other is a big bloke and could you know take on people it was very very confusing as to why these guys were trying to break into a house and knowing that us three were in there you know normally a normal burglar would look at a, a house and see oh there are people in there are lights on i'm gonna go to another house that's why it was so baffling and so scary is because we were like what is going on do they have weapons are they you know trying to f like kill us but yeah you get what I'm trying to say. So yeah, after that kind of all transpired, we were just on the sofa. Just I was just absolutely pranging. I was like, are they going to come back? What was their motive in the first place? And yeah, we were just like, what is going on? So that's where I kind of want to ask you lot. What do you think they were doing? I've not given you all the information there because I probably missed out a bit, but I've given you what I can think of at the time of recording and what's coming to my mind. Do you think that they were crazy. Do you think they genuinely had had their phone stolen and the ping for find my iPhone was in our flat? And they also mentioned that they'd called every other flat and we were the only ones that didn't answer, but flat four literally weren't in. So that it, that can't have been the case. I still am thinking about this now, to be fair. I'm still questioning it now. It's very strange. Kind of, I've gotten over the, the shock of it now. It's been a bit, but at first I was just like, what, what is actually, what is going on? It was more baffling than anything. It was very disconcerting. So yeah, get in the comments down below. What do you think was really going on here? And uh, yeah, I'd love to get your opinions on it. It is one of the strangest things I would say that's ever happened to me. And it was very stressful. Unless I'm missing something, which I don't think I am. Let me just think to myself. Nah, that's pretty much it. The one thing that I have downplayed is that it actually was legitimately very scary. I will be honest. We were all, well, I mean, I, I won't speak for others, but I was scared. 
I was like, what is happening? I was very, very stressed. I was like on the phone, I, my voice was like shaking. I was like, you need to get here now. They're like threatening. I've got, they were like, they have weapons. I was like, I've got no idea, but they're trying to smash a fucking door down, mate. And he was like, yeah, I know. There's nothing I can do about it. Honestly, the police were actually just crazy. Fair play, shout out the police. I would have joined you, but in this one moment, they were terrible. They said they were like on a shift change or something, mate. How about just like get here a bit quicker? All all it was is I was thinking like if they had had machetes, we would have probably died. Now they didn't, but they could have done, and that was the point. Now the one thing was after they left for a period of time, I was thinking are they going to come back because of what the women said, and also I was like, well they they really think off their phone is here at least they said they did if they think it that much they may well come back and try again so i was a bit like i was on edge for, for like a day or two but you know it's been a week and a half now and nothing's happened and yeah i'm now pretty sure that nothing will happen again and also if it does then kind of we know what to do but yeah i think that is gonna do it for this one there we go not a story that i actually plan on telling but i feel like you guys might enjoy it very unstructured very different to anything i've ever done on the internet before but that was a real one. Let me know down below. Do you want any more real stories from me? Did you enjoy this? Did it give you a bit of an insight into my life? And did you like that? I don't actually think off the top of my head I have many other stories like that to tell, but I can think of some. And who knows, something like that may happen in the future. And although it'd be bad at the time, it would make for a great video. So there you go. Let me know. And uh, yeah, I'll see you all tomorrow with a more normal upload. I went no contact with my narcissistic mother over a tea kettle. She tried to ruin my life again, so I ruined hers. I am 42 years old. To say that I tried for too long is an understatement. I tried the hands-off approach for my 30s and most of the time it worked. However, as I've been learning about my codependency and trying to heal from the trauma that woman has wrought across my life, I've been much more upfront on calling her out on her bull. I was patient. I wouldn't back down anymore, and I'd often find myself feeling absolute pleasure at seeing her flying off in a narcissistic rage over me being able to beat her at her own game. Fun for a while, right? But I realized these talks and texts we had were coming at a price to my mental well-being. Sometimes I admit she'd get me as a mum, She knew what buttons she could push to really get a rise out of me I was trying to work on myself and started debating if no contact would be the best choice That is when it happened. The thing that sent me over the edge was an old tea kettle First of all some backstory I moved back to my hometown after my grandmother's health was starting to go downhill to take care of her as she was a former nursing home at CNA, I always promised my nanny I wouldn't ever let her waste away in one of those facilities. But with the move came drawbacks. My once flourishing career was gone and I was starting over at a smaller facility with much less money. In my mind, it was more than worth the price of being able to take care of my grandmother. However, I'd have to move in with my grandmother in her home. And as I've said, my mother is a narc. I wasn't crazy about this idea as I knew my grandmother only had a lifetime estate on the property My mother would inherit and I knew it would be hell before that though I got four amazing years with the women who actually loved me and supported me Even through all the pain my mother inflicted upon me cue to when my grandmother finally passed My mum sweeps into the home and starts to lay down rules and what I needed to do to stay in her home Keep in mind. I'd done all the upkeep to the house for the last four years I paid for everything and I never asked her for one dang dime of money I know there's always a price when you ask that woman for help So instead of bowing down and paying her rent to live in the house that she wasn't even going to use I made plans. I informed her No, that won't be happening and let her know of my plans to move 
To say she tried every which way she could to prevent my moving is an understatement. From trying to drum up new things I owed her money for, to dangling the carrot of signing the house into my name, to letting other family members know if they helped me move, she'd never forgive them. I was 39 years old. That is how controlling this woman tried to be. However, I just kept my nose down, packed all my things, moved absolutely everything I owned by myself, and took off in a U-Haul not even a month later. After my grandmother passed, I did try harder in an effort to keep a relationship with my mother. I should have known better, but I told myself, one more time. If she can't play nice, then I'm going to cut this out of my life for good. It didn't take but five months for me to be completely done. Since moving, my aunt made a group chat for us and my mother, mostly to keep up with our day-to-day lives. Funny memes, just checking up on me, and just wanting to know how my new home was. My mother would always say condescending things about my new place, but I'd let it slide and remind her that I would have been more than happy to live in her home had she not tried to pull what she pulled. That only made her say that I was ungrateful for her not having charged me rent for the years that I lived there, taking care of her mother and working full time. Keep in mind, my mother remarried a doctor and took every penny of inheritance my grandfather left me. To say she's rather well off is no exaggeration. She's just that greedy. But back to my story. Five months in, my mother starts texting the group chat that I took off with items of hers from the house. Upon asking what it was I supposedly took, she launched into a tirade of me never being able to tell the truth and that she'd never forgive me for what I had done. Again, having to push for actual details was hard over a text, so I called. This is where the tea kettle finally comes into play. The cool. So I called. She starts launching into me about how I gave an old cast iron tea kettle to my father, her ex-husband. I'm like, what the heck are you even talking about? She explains what she believes, that I had, while living with my grandmother or after my grandmother died, given my father an old tea kettle from our wood stove. I let her know there hadn't been a tea kettle on that stove in years and I wasn't aware it was even missing. She'd somehow found out that the tea kettle was back at my father's place. Now, if you have a narc in your life, you know how they absolutely adore to twist history to their liking. This tea kettle was in my father's family for generations. I grew up knowing this, but my mother simply took it with her in the divorce to hurt my father as family heirlooms meant a lot to him. So I kept explaining over and over again. I had no idea what she was talking about or how dad even got the tea kettle. After screeching at me for a while, I finally told her that I wasn't entertaining this notion of hers. I would call my father myself to figure out what had happened. She said I'd better freaking get the tea kettle back or there'd be hell to pay. The truth. So, I called my good old dad. Now look, my father isn't perfect, but he's been pretty dang good to me. Especially after all the trash my mother put him and I threw together. From using me to emotionally blackmail him and intentionally sabotaging our relationship wherever she could. AKA, he knows she's a covert narcissist because he was married to her. So, when I call him, he answers with, Hi, is this about the tea kettle? I laugh and say, bingo. He then explains, while my grandmother was alive, she felt bad that my mother had taken the tea kettle from him during the divorce and left it at her home, my grandmother's house. After I moved back in, my father started to come and visit us. He always loved my nanny and she adored him as a son-in-law. They reconnected and he helped us a lot while she was still alive. He'd even visit when I wasn't at home sometimes. He said he noticed the tea kettle, but never said anything about it to her until she brought it up one day. She told him to please take it back. She knew it was his, and she didn't think my mum even remembered having took it. 
Of course, she had taken almost everything from his house when they divorced. He was very grateful, of course, and took back the family tea kettle. Fast forward to years later, when my father was talking to a buddy about their divorces, and he was admitting that he finally got something back from her, even if it took almost 20 years. They had a laugh, but the friend's now ex-girlfriend was charmed by my mother and told her about the tea kettle being with my father. Boom. So she called him and started calling him a thief, and that he knew that tea kettle was her family's and had never been his. He just called her on her BS and said, well, hell, even if it didn't say my family name on it, possession is nine tenths of the law, blah, blah. And on no uncertain terms, let her know that she would not be getting it back as it was his in the first place. She was livid. And of course, he was amused as she asked how the heck he got it in the first place. He explained my grandmother having gave it to him. But for some reason, she fixated on it being my fault. I had to have been the one to give it back to him. I was the one who gave her family's tea kettle to her ex. Tiring story, isn't it? So unnecessary and draining. With all that in mind, that was when I realized I was done. The emancipation. So having got the full story from my father, I was texting my aunt and mother in our group chat and telling them. My mother continued to call me a dirty liar with nasty comments in the group chat in front of my aunt. Now, I'm the most patient and understanding person, so while I really hate how my mother treated me, I would never call her out in front of anyone. I would always argue and debate behind closed doors and alone, as I didn't want to, number one, bring anyone else into the mess that was her abuse, and number two, she was still my mother, and I didn't want to embarrass her in front of anyone. I don't know what it was about this tea kettle that finally broke me, but it was the catalyst. But there were other things that made the tea kettle incident explode while i had moved my mother was still intent on having me move back into her home so i could take care of it until i inherit it from her one day ha yeah right so i tested her on this a few weeks before the tea kettle incidents if i wanted to move back her conditions were that i would only have access to one bedroom there's three but she and her husband are hoarders by the way his touch in this was allowing me to have access to the communal areas of the house Isn't that so kind to allow me one bathroom and access to the kitchen and living room? God, they're a match made in hell. The reason I'd only have access to one bedroom was they miraculously put their home on the market and it was going to be sold. They were going to move from a three-story mansion to a three-bedroom cabin. So that's the reason she couldn't put the house in my name right away. It would have to wait until they bought a new house. They'd live in the cabin with me while the new home was being built and their old home sold. It's beyond insane, but this is how her mind works. I then told her, no thanks. I'm very happy spending way more money being in a thriving city and having my own home with three bedrooms. However, it struck me. My mother likes to lie a lot. So much so that over the course of the years I was doing the hands-off approach, I've recorded what she'd say and replay it to myself to remind me that I wasn't insane. Because as I'm sure many of you know, gaslighting is a hell of a drug. This house lie was another provable story. There'd be evidence if it was on the market. One of my buddies who grew up with me is a real estate agent. He hates my mother because of how my mother treated his mum. So he gladly helped me look at all the listings from as far back as a year ago. Supposedly, she'd put her house up for sale about a month ago. He couldn't find anything about it. It's listed as not for sale anywhere, even as of today's writing. So, boom, more concrete evidence of her lying. I recorded the conversation with her and her husband without her knowing it. Don't worry, I live in a one-party state. 
Because again, nothing comes without terms and conditions and she likes to rewrite history. Back to the future. I'd recorded this conversation. I thought it's about time that I do something different. If I'm thinking about going no contact, I might as well go out in a blazing ball of righteous hellfire, right? While she was attempting to humiliate me in front of my aunt again, I spoke to my aunt in a separate message. I'm sorry if you're going to be upset with me, I said, but this has been 41 years in the making and I'm done. She called me worried and I told her the truth. Finally, I let someone else hear the lies she told me. And in the group text, I posted the real estate listings and how their home was not listed for sale anywhere. My mother started to go into panic mode and was telling more lies about how it's not up yet because it was so new. I let her know that was a lie too, as it had been quite some time since she said she listed it. My aunt gasped, seeing her floundering for an explanation in the chat. I explained and she let me know. No matter what, she still loved me and understood how after years of abuse, I finally had enough. The fallout. So, as a narc usually does, she went on her rampage and started to blacken my name to everyone in our family and in our hometown. Not a big deal, I don't really like my hometown. The few people I keep up with are lifelong pals. They know the private monster my mother can be versus the public persona that most people get. But for years, it had been building. I had a lot of proof. However, I was trying to allow her to behave and back off. I'd not answered her since the night I posted those listings to my aunt's group chat. But I was getting nasty messages from the flying monkeys about what a terrible daughter I am. I finally texted and let her know. Unless she backed down and stopped this campaign against me, I was going to do something to her for how she's poisoning my name and reputation. I knew from reading about narcissists that this was coming, so I prepared. When she didn't stop, and a preacher I had never spoken to contacted me via Facebook to attempt to shame me into talking to her, I saw red. I did it. I went full scorched earth. I made a huge group chat with all of my contacts in my phone, all our family, some of her friends, some of her ex-friends, her husband's family, his kids, many people in our community, that preacher who decided I was a horrible daughter, just many who believed her lies. Most of these people had turned their backs on me anyways. So I didn't feel too bad when I sent them all the nasty things she'd said about them to me in texts, voicemails, and the phone recordings I had. I didn't realize how much I had saved, all just to keep my own sanity with her gaslighting me. And I sent it all. At the end of it, with the story about the house being for sale and the latest life fest she'd concocted shown, my father, who was also in the group chat, took a picture of the kettle. He asked in the chat, was this really worth it? Many of these people had also wronged him in the community due to the lies my mother spread about him after their divorce. He and I then left the group chat. The conclusion. Suffice to say, that ruffled many feathers. Many of the people in that group chat were upset at how my mother had spoken about them. A lot of them blamed me for being a horrible daughter, but some have apologized to me. I don't care about them. I care about the damage I finally inflicted on the woman who hurt me over and over again with no conscience. I landed a blow to the weakest part of herself, her public persona. Her ego took that hit, and now she can truly be the victim she's always claimed to be. All of this could have been avoided if she didn't lose her goddamn mind over an old rusty tea kettle that's worth nothing. Nothing but sentimental value, and not even to her. That tea kettle was just a conquest to her, a token of victory over her ex-husbands. I went no contact that day. I've also cut off many of the relationships from the people in that chat, even if they apologized. 
It's not that I don't forgive them. I just don't miss them. Maybe I'm a horrible person for doing what I did, but I can't lie and say it didn't feel good to finally show people what she's really like. I spent so much of my life trying to be the good daughter that when I finally broke, I broke hard. I hope you don't judge me too harshly for my actions. But if I had to do it over again, I'd pick the same every time. And there we go. That is it for that whirlwind of a nuclear revenge story. Where to even begin with this? The fact that this has gone on for your entire life just makes me feel honestly so bad for you. I'm so lucky that my parents are just like very good in general. They're just good people. They let me get on with my own thing. They would do anything for me. They're very selfless. I do take that for granted a lot of the time. I'm not gonna lie. Perhaps with age, I'm I'm understanding that more, how, how good they've been to me across my life. But wow, it really hits home when you read something like this. Someone that has for 41 years of their 42 years of life had to deal with someone like this and, and only four decades later after being born, they finally managed to get over this this monumental, I guess, hurdle in their life. Think of the lasting damage that this woman has had on her very own son. It's ridiculous. It really is. R slash nuclear revenge, more like R slash scorched earth revenge. But as for the revenge itself, it was absolutely meteoric. It was just, it was scintillating. It was sensational and I thoroughly loved it. The fact that you just chuck everyone in a group chat and you have so much evidence to just show how much of a terrible person your mother is, is brilliant. It should be the go-to revenge, honestly. Record someone in private and just chuck it public. Why not? Like, yeah, it's not a very nice thing to do to somebody, but how about being narcissistic for 40 years? That's also not that nice. From my perspective, literally the perfect revenge didn't take much effort at all, just a bit of bravery on your part, and it had the desired effect. Great, great stuff. I put vegetables in all my food to stop my roommate's kid from eating it. Mum threatens legal action. I, a 26-year-old woman, live in a rented house with a single mother, who is 30, and her six-year-old son. I had another person living with me, but they moved out and the mother moved in. I don't mind living with her and her kid. It's fine, and we kind of do our own thing. I spend a lot of time at my boyfriend's place or working. Our work schedules collide, so we really don't interact much, but when we do, it's fine. No issue there. I want to start with saying that she clearly struggles financially, but I don't think that's an excuse. I don't make lots of money either. However, I've noticed that my food would go missing or portions would be taken from it. I assumed it was her kid, so I asked her if she'd stop him from eating my food. I was calm about it and she just said that she would. It didn't really upset me when it first started, but it started getting annoying when I'd get home from work and expect to have a meal's worth of leftovers in the fridge, only to see it picked through or just gone. I kept bringing it up and she started getting annoyed with me bringing it up. Just from observing them, I realized that neither of them ever ate vegetables. And judging by the food that would get picked through and the food that would be untouched, anything with green in it was avoided. Orange chicken would be gone, but chicken and broccoli would be untouched. So I started putting vegetables in everything. Now I find vegetables to be delicious and anything green or not a potato doesn't get eaten So I could mix some bell peppers into the food and it would be fine. I make a big portion of vegetables pretty frequently anyway. So I just started putting in everything I eat. If I had leftover mashed potatoes, I'd pour green beans in and mix it up. If I had leftover cheesy slash bacon fries, I'd pour broccoli all over it and mix it in. Usually my homemade stuff has vegetables in it, but I started making sure that everything did. I made a pot of mac and cheese, the kid's favorite thing, and poured in roasted Brussels sprouts. 
which is actually delicious to me, and I'm eating more vegetables, so it's a win-win. Now, the mum had been seeming annoyed, but we were all home when I made the pot of mac and cheese. She was in the living room and saw me get out the Brussels sprouts and was like, what are you gonna do with that? As I pulled them in. She said I was being greedy and annoying. I just said, I like Brussels sprouts. And that was it. She then said, we need food. So I told her to go and get some or stop buying only pre-packaged things and your money will go further. I think she sees this as some big act of revenge, but I just simply want to be able to eat my food. I also want to add that the sharing is not the issue. It's that I expect to have food there and it's not. So often I'd be working a long day and get home expecting to have a meal's worth of food and it will be gone. Or I wake up in a rush and have my food ready to eat the next morning only to find it gone. So now I have to skip breakfast. If she would simply text sometimes, hey, is it okay if we eat said food item? I would at least know and know to make other plans. I would stop for food or now I have to whip something up when I get home. Also, I think eating the last of someone else's food is crazy and rude. If someone makes a big pot of something and you ask for a serving, sure. But if someone made something and there is one serving left and you eat it without permission, that is evil as hell. Okay, so that is the story so far. And thankfully, there is an update coming. So we're gonna see what happens next. But just off the bat, I've gotta say, if someone is stealing food from you, I don't want any excuses. It's terrible. It really is. I get what Opie is saying about if they eat the last of someone's food, like if they have the final portion, that's the worst. But even if they have the first portion, if I've made a batch of food, I expect to eat that batch of food, right? I've done it for myself. If I come back and some of it's gone, I'm gonna be fuming, of course. And look, I do understand Opie's point that if the mum at least asked first, then she would know, but still, like, make your own food. Come on, it's not that hard. Okay then, so here is the updates. So, I've been steadfast with putting vegetables in everything. I put vegetables in things I've never even thought of. This has carried on and the mum calls me a jerk, but will not verbalize that she is eating my food. She just sees me making a lasagna and adding celery and bell peppers in the layers and she fumes off to the side. The only thing I can't add vegetables to is snacks like chips or if I bake brownies or cookies. However, this is easily remedied by putting baked goods in a Tupperware and keeping them in my room. Same with chips. As I previously stated, the sharing isn't the issue. Recently, the kid knocked on my door and asked if he could have a bag of microwave popcorn. I said yes and gave him one. All of this would be way less annoying if she'd just text, hey, can I have some of this? And waited for my response before just helping herself. I do feel for the mum because she clearly struggles with cooking and trying new foods. She is older than me and winces at the thought of biting into anything green and it's spreading to her kid, but that's no excuse. A few days ago, I was making taco meat out of ground beef and like usual, she was looking without looking. She was off to the side watching my every move, but trying her best to look normal. I made a dish the day before that involved sauteed mushrooms and cut up peppers. So when the meat was almost ready, I opened the fridge and she freaked when she saw me holding the mushrooms. She said, my son hates mushrooms. And I just pulled them in the pan and mixed along with the cut up peppers. This caused her to react in a way I'd never seen from her before. She was yelling and stomping around the kitchen while the kid just washed. I felt bad for the kid to have to see his mum like that. Now before, people were worried about her tampering with my food. I don't think she's the kind to do that, but if she did, I'd report that right away. She was flipping out, but she didn't snatch my food or knock anything over. She was opening and slamming cabinets and it was all very silly. 
Then she started going off about how she's going to get the authorities involved. I just told her, sure, and that she needs to relax. She seemed genuinely upset and stressed, and I told her that I understand being a single mum is hard, but she needs to use her government assistance more responsibly. She'll come home with cold mac and cheese, sushi, and chicken from the grocery store prepared foods and blow all of it on that. I suggested food pantries and buy ingredients that last a while, like potatoes. She said I was being condescending and I always have food to eat. This is to address the just make a portion of your food and set it aside for her and the kid. I do not make enough money to regularly feed two other people. If every now and then she asks for some of my leftovers, sure, but this is a consistent thing that was happening. It's not as simple as giving her leftovers that I won't eat anyway. If I make a pot of something, I expect to live off of that for the next few days. If it's eaten, then my money is messed up and I have to go shopping again and budget for more food wasting my time and money yeah once again i completely agree i think it's ludicrous that anyone in the comments is saying oh why can't you just make a little bit of food for two extra people i mean that's a lot of food especially if you're doing you know multiple meals per week that's insane and even if you're not struggling with money that is another huge expense it shouldn't be just on you to have to deal with them when the mum is the one that's responsible of course for her and her child for cooking and, and making sure they're well fed and for not blowing her money on things that aren't sensible you know when money's tight and you can't just buy takeaways or, or buy you know pre-prepared stuff you need to spend it on more sensible stuff and perhaps spend more time actually doing the cooking and and, and make bulk meals with cheaper ingredients that, that lasts for longer. I don't know. I'm not a single mum, as you can probably tell, but um, in many ways, I feel like I am. I mean, it is very simple. She's just asking you, well, she's not even asking. She's just stealing your food. So it is actually theft. Just happens to be your roommate, your housemate. The kids actually seems quite nice, by the way, like knocking on your door saying, hey, can I have some microwave popcorn? That is very nice. And I would absolutely encourage that and say, you know what? Yeah, sure. But the mum being angry at you for putting mushrooms in a pan no, thank you. X lies during divorce to have me jailed and instead is left with remorse. I was getting divorced in the early 90s. My ex was fuming that I was divorcing him. I owned the house prior to the marriage, so he moved out, but he broke back in and tore up all kinds of things. He tore up my jewelry, my clothes, he cut holes in all of them, etc. I couldn't prove it, but of course it was him. When we went to divorce court, he gave the judge a two-page list of things that he supposedly brought to the house with him prior to marriage that I refused to return. My attorney showed me the list and it was stuff that he never owned in the first place. He totally wanted me thrown in jail for contempt of court. My alternative was to pay like $2,000 and I wasn't about to do that. So in a way, I guess I opted for jail, but my friends kept telling me to just pay it. I refused though. Two days before I was to appear in court, a girlfriend of mine asked me if she could see the list. Sure. She noted that the things he said were there didn't give much, if any, of a description. For example, he says there's a gun, but doesn't say what kind of gun. He said there was a computer, but not what kind of computer, and so on. Her point was that if I went around and bought everything on the list, it would probably cost me about 200 bucks and that was worth staying out of jail. I agreed knowing it would also be worth him being livid that his plan didn't work. So I made a game of it. I went around to pawn shops and resale stores and I told whoever was in charge there that I was on a scavenger hunt and I briefly explained what was going on. They all loved the idea and helped me get through the list rather quickly. Here are some lovely examples of what was boxed up for him. So for the gun, I got an old rusty cap gun. For the screwdriver set, 
Same, old and rusty. For clothing, I got Goodwill horrid stuff. For the bust slash statue, I made one myself from clay. For knives, again, old and rusty. For camping gear, an old pan, matches, and a tiny tarp. And one of my favorites that I remember was, he said he had a Monopoly game. So I sent him a Goodwill find without any of the pieces, just the board. I wish I could remember everything that we got. It was so much fun. And when we got home, we had to videotape boxing them all up and going through the items one by one. My attorney told the judge that I'd found them in the attic and just hadn't seen them before. So sorry. The judge told my attorney to simply drop the box off at his attorney's office and that the divorce was final. My only regret is not being able to see his face when he opened up that box of garbage and there was nothing he could say because he made this stuff up in the first place. It's been 30 years and I still get joy thinking about it. Oh, wow. Imagine his face when he opens that box. I mean, what a terrible person anyway to make up all this stuff and lie about it. But you're right. I can imagine it would have got very, very techy, like, you know, a little bit convoluted if it had become a he said, she said sort of stuff where he was saying, no, I had all this stuff. She's stolen it. And you were saying never had it in the first place because there's no real way of proving anything. I guess maybe you could argue that you could go and look for receipts, but say these products are super old. This could have been really, really technical. But doing this, there's literally nothing he can do about it right there's nothing he can do because he has the items that he said he owned obviously he didn't and they're terrible simple as that great great pet revenge and a very very good way to avoid jail time yourself and absolutely mug him off i love it and now for our next petty revenge story how about this for a title my homeless dad used me in his money scheme so i took it all okay so the homeless guy is technically my dad My dad was only in my life actively from ages zero to seven and in that time gave me a load of trauma. He was a hardcore alcoholic manipulator and a lot of other things I can't say. My mum, being the badass that she is, left him and for a short bit we did weekends at his place. It was a never-ending cycle of him drinking, being a POS and then buying us over with animals and gifts. After getting several DUIs, unpaid child support and a few child endangerment cases, he up and left to avoid going to jail. Like, disappeared. Left the animals locked in the house that he abandoned and shot off his phone. Every few months or so, he would randomly show up at my school drunk and crying with gifts in hand or leave notes on our door. My school literally had to implement a safety plan because my mum was scared he would take me. That then stopped and we didn't hear from him for about 13 years. When I was 20 years old, he messaged me on Facebook saying he'd love to get to know me and asking if there's anything I need financially. My initial response, sick to my stomach and crying, quickly turned to anger. I was broke and really could use the money. And I mean, he owed me, right? I told him I would meet and needed money for rent. When I saw him, my stomach turned. He looked like the crazy guy you see on the side of the road begging for money. He really didn't make much sense, just talked a lot of trash about my mum, saying she was a liar and turned us against him and mumbling nonsense. Apparently, his brother, my uncle that I never had a relationship, would no longer give him money, but would wire transfer him money for me. He told his brother I needed 1,500 and told me he would take 500 and give me a thousand. His terrible burner phone ran out of minutes, so one of the calls to his brother was made from my phone. Of course, he didn't have an ID or anything, so I would need to pick it up with him. When someone wires you money, they get a code, then give you the code and voila, you get the money. 
My dad wouldn't give me the code until we were physically at the place to pick it up Which we planned to do the following morning the next morning I decided to text my uncle since I now had his number and ask him directly for the code So I got the code picked up the money and blocked my pos dad He made sure to leave me some deranged voicemails about how big of a pos I am But he pretty much used me to get money from his brother If he really wanted to be in my life, he would have taken the proper steps to do so and change, but he never did. Not denying what I did wasn't trashy, but also screw my dad. I mean, yeah, this is brilliant. Your uncle has explicitly said that he's only sending the money to you. Your dad is just being the mate quay, trying to use both of you to get a little bit of cash to help him, but he doesn't deserve that. Ultimately, he's pretty much frauding both his brother and you so you going behind his back and doing this although admittedly yeah you could argue it's a little bit trashy how about the the years of neglect and trauma that he calls you and the fact that your uncle has openly said the money is for you and not for your dad i think that's completely fair and yeah i mean i don't even know if it's petty revenge or if it's even revenge at all sounds like he left you with a, a lot of trauma as i said and this is just one decent way of getting back at him and making sure that he doesn't doesn't get into your life anymore. So poor from him. After 13 years away to call you up saying, oh, I miss you so much. Do you want some money? Realistically, just trying to get money for himself. Disgusting human being. I am at a loss as to what to do with my wife's request. My wife and I have been married since 2001 and been together since 1999. She is the most intelligent, thoughtful, caring, loyal person I know, and I've always thought of myself as fortunate to have met and married her. She is, even today, aesthetically beautiful, and men have told her this throughout our marriage. She's always shot them down. Now, earlier this year, she was diagnosed with uterine cancer, stage one, and had a full hysterectomy. I was never concerned about the cancer. It was diagnosed early, dealt with quickly, and she made a full recovery. I took time off work to look after her after the surgery and all seemed well There were some to be expected emotional instances on her parts and although I am not an emotional person We dealt with them together after her recovery She was insistent that we start living life to the fullest and took a 10-day trip to europe followed by a trip to belize We also have a trip to the uk and spain and portugal later this year now i'm fine with these things building memories and crossing bucket list adventures off of her and our list. I also understand that these are a result of feeling fragile on her parts. She also took up yoga, swimming, and healthy cooking classes. I was fully on board until last week. Last week, she came home from work and told me she wanted a hall pass, a one-time opportunity for her to have sex with someone else besides me. She said that since her cancer diagnosis, her outlook on life has changed and she doesn't want to be handcuffed from doing things she wants to do. She explained that there's a guy at her work that she's always had some attraction to. He is leaving the company and she'll never see him again. So this is the perfect opportunity to sleep with someone else. She said that I could say no, of course, but that she would be mad and disappointed at me for an indeterminate amount of time and that it would be confirmation of my male toxicity and insecurity. I don't consider myself to be toxic, and if not wanting your wife of 20 plus years to have sex with someone else is insecure, then guess I'm insecure. I told her that I appreciated her talking to me about this, but approval via coercion is not approval. I also said that I do not appreciate her language in describing my, as of yet, unknown reaction to this very large issue that could affect the rest of our marriage 
and life. I got up in the morning and she basically said that she was sorry for putting such a large decision solely on my shoulders and that to help, she was taking the decision away from me. She booked a hotel near where her co-workers are having a party slash send off for this guy and she would spend the night there with him and hope that I would be here when she got back. That she would answer any questions I have about the night after it happened, but not before. She would not tell me who he is or anything about him because she knows me too well and that I will dwell and obsess over him and that would make it too real for me, which is pretty accurate. Her POV is that the less I know, the better, which contradicts the offer to tell me anything I want to know after it happened. I think she knows I won't want to know or ask anything, or she simply just won't tell me. Part of me thinks at least she's been honest with me, and she's been through a lot since finding out she had cancer, so maybe I should just let it happen. I certainly have no concept of what she went through, so I cannot dismiss how this affected her mental state or outlook on life. Part of me wants to put my foot down and say this is not going to happen and deal with those consequences when they happen. Her BFF called me callous for even suggesting that I wouldn't let it happen because I have no idea what she went through. I find it hard to believe that she is okay with the possibility of throwing away 20 plus years of marriage over some guy that she has had no relationship with outside of work and that I should just call her bluff. Maybe she thinks similarly that I won't throw away the marriage because of one encounter. I just don't know what to do. I empathize with her and then an instant later, I'm angry with her. Part of me wants to know who this guy is. What does he look like? What has he got that is so enthralling for her? Is he just a safe option? Is he married? Does his wife know? Would I be a callous jerk for saying no? What can I do besides walking away? Okay, now... Where do we even begin? Now, of course, this is best of Redditor updates, so we're going to get a lot more content here. But off the rip, I've got to say, what a load of absolute rubbish. I know multiple people, you know, multiple couples in which one of them has gone through cancer and they survive. And they don't just then go, you know what? Yeah, I've survived this. I'm not going to go around shagging like, you know, like a legend. They just don't do that. It's very abnormal. Now, the whole part about, about your wife ticking things off your and her collective bucket list is great you know traveling making her realize and making you guys realize that life is short it can end at any moment it's good to do things you want to do whilst you have the chance to do them completely fine until you get to having sex with one of your co-workers forcing your husband to be okay with it that's probably a little bit too far at that point i think how about just end the marriage and move on with your life it's just very very strange what, what I love the most, and by love, I mean, just c- cannot get at all, is her saying, no, you have to let me do this because by the way, I had cancer and therefore you have to let me cheat on you. It's on you. Like her saying, you know, what, I'm just going to take the decision out of your hands. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll, I'll just take the decision out of your hands. Don't worry about me. It's so great. I love it. Nonetheless, let's carry on and, and, and let's get into this comment which was posted on the original, which I think is really, really good. Kind of think this is the way your marriage will be from now on. With her epiphany, she wants to relive her life and she's going to do it regardless of your feelings. I think she's being rather selfish and probably only threatens this because she thinks you are beaten down and will simply put up with it. Perhaps not the best time for trips and frills. She wants a single life. Let her see what that means. I agree. I feel like, you know, obviously it's very, very tough for you. And I completely understand what you're going through in the sense that you say that one second you're like, no way am I ever going to let her do this. I'm going to call her bluff, go and do it. She won't. And then the, the next you're like, oh, well, I do love her so much. And she did also have cancer. 
that's going to be very mentally taxing. Oh, by the way, I'm not for one second saying that I know what that's like or how it feels or I can empathize with that in any way. I obviously can't. But I agree with this commenter. It gets to a stage where you've got to just say to her, yeah, obviously you're not allowed to do this. I don't care. And also, what's your best friend saying about you can't not let her do this? She had cancer. Again, terrible friend. Sorry, very obvious. You just have to, you have to call her bluff. You have to just say, you know what? This is going to hurt me, but go and do it. And if you do it, that's the end. It is weird though. 20 plus years of marriage and that, wow. Now, OP has actually replied to a couple of comments from the original saying this. She thinks because she'll never see this guy again and that I've never met him, supposedly, that it won't really affect me or our marriage in the long term. I'm left with accepting it and never viewing her the same way again or going through a divorce at 54. Not really great options on either front. That is a very fair point. I don't know where her head is and the bout with cancer is affecting her in ways that I couldn't possibly imagine. I don't think she believes I will leave. There we go. I mean, you've pretty much said exactly what I think there. You have to test that though. If she doesn't think that you'll leave, you have to actually leave and then see what her reaction is. Because then if she goes and does this thing anyway, you know that sadly, very, very sad and painfully, though it may be, it was the right decision for you to do that because otherwise you'd just be a massive cuck. Uh, and secondly, you have to test her. You just have to because she can't just get away with stuff like this for the rest of your life together because even if you do stay together, you'll just be miserable. So unfortunately, that is the only thing you can really do. Now, let's get in to the update that was posted just a few days later. I received a ton of advice that I couldn't possibly respond to. I do appreciate the people who took time to offer advice in the comments all via PM. It's been an exhausting couple of days. I was hoping that my opposition to her plans would give her pause, but unfortunately that did not happen. I said I am a hard no, and I'm not sure how I will feel about you if you go ahead with it. I was met once again with, this is for me, it will be one time, what can I say to help you deal with it? You'll get over it. We were meant to be regardless of the situation. Remarks leading up to Saturday. Some of the most selfish words there that I've ever heard. Despite the fact that this woman went through cancer. At this point, I honestly don't really care. That's insane. So she left on Saturday ostensibly to meet her co-workers. But in reality, to screw the guy. I asked her to text me when she was leaving for the bar, and when she did, I asked her if she was really going to go through with this. After her response was this, I'm not answering any more questions tonight, I will see you tomorrow, I blocked my wife. Then, I did something either stupid or brilliant. I went to the bar where the get-together was happening. You know what, I love this. Well, not the bar, but a transit bench across the street. I waited for a long time. It was running through my mind leading up to this event that I need to know who this guy was. Maybe to compare myself against him. To see what he had that I do not. It was driving me crazy not knowing who he was and what was so special about him that she would ruin a marriage for. After what seemed like an eternity, a woman that I recognized from my wife's office left the bar and got in a cap. Soon, other people started filing out and a whole group came out and people were hugging a man and shaking his hand. I assumed that I had my guy. I didn't see my wife and I had a brief thought that maybe she had called it off. I unblocked her, but there were no messages. Everyone said their goodbyes and left. The dude was standing outside for a few minutes and then my wife came out. She looked around, took his hand and they started walking away together. Of all the emotions I went through, trepidation, sadness, anger, it was disgust that really encapsulated the event for me. This guy was short, fat and bald all the things i cannot compete with 
Ultimately, I felt like a pervert for watching from a distance. I followed until they got to the hotel and then turned around and went home. I woke up Sunday morning and put a lock on the master bedroom door. I moved her things to the spare room and left a note asking her to find another accommodation as quickly as possible. I visited another friend who's a lawyer and he gave me some sage advice and a couple of recommendations for divorce attorneys and made the introductions. My wife has been calling me numerous times since around 11 or so. Once blocked, the calls go to voicemail. I listened to the first couple but felt nothing but some satisfaction when she couldn't get through to me and she was obviously becoming concerned. I didn't want to go home, but I left in such a hurry that I didn't plan overnight properly. I got home around nine and as per my buddy's advice, I recorded the interaction. I was halfway up the stairs when she came up from the family room asking what was going on. Could we talk? I thought we talked about this. I just answered with I'm not interested in discussing this tonight and went to bed after not getting a response from me through the door She left me alone. I feel kind of like a child for not talking with her and shutting the door on her But I just couldn't look at her monday. I got up and ready for work She was waiting for me and asked if we could discuss getting back to normal I said you've been doing all the talking for the both of us for the last week Why don't you just continue? And I left for work. I have an appointment with the attorneys that my friend recommended for this week. And there we go, guys. That is the end of that one. I I don't really know quite what to make about this story because I feel like we've just encountered one of the most stupid women of all time. She is surprised when her husband of 20 years is annoyed at her because she cheated on him. Not just with anyone, but with a a short, fat, bald man. I mean, does it get any worse? I'm all for short kings and bald kings and also fat kings what a trifecta that is listen if you're short bald and fat get in the comments down below are you this bloke i want to know now one thing i will say before getting myself in trouble is that there is another comment here that i want to highlight because i think it's a very good comment that kind of in all seriousness encapsulates my thoughts here it is i can only hope that you've decided to do what's best for you at the end of the day you're the one that has to live with your decisions From the previous post, it's obvious that your wife, and I use that term merely as a placeholder, has made her decision. I know that having something that has been such a huge part of your life end can be daunting, but sometimes it's for the best. And yeah, I think this time it absolutely is for the best. You clearly made the right decision. Your wife's dumb and she's also unfaithful. What a terrible, terribly potent combination. Good stuff, OP. Right, now our final story from this episode is actually one chosen by one of you guys. One of you added me on Twitter saying, do you remember that face tattoo story that I narrated about six months, 12 months ago? And I said, you know what, I do. And then they said, there's actually been an update to that post. If you don't remember the original, I will link it down below. It's probably on screen right now as well, the thumbnail or behind the I button. Pretty much this woman gets a face tattoo and then wonders why her fiance is annoyed at her. Like, she doesn't even tell him. She just does it. And then is like, oh, what? Don't you like it? He's like, no. To be honest, it's quite a silly story. But one of you told me on Twitter that there's been an update, and there has. Just a week ago, we got this update. So here we go. About nine months ago, my ex-fiance, Kim, got a face tattoo without telling anyone. This was just the start of her doing everything she could to ruin her life. She broke up with me and called off our seven-year relationship when I questioned why she did this. She worked in a client-facing job for an incredibly large financial institution and was let go within a month of showing back up for work after getting the tattoo. I kept in contact with Kim's sister, hoping for some news. They tried to get her help as they thought she was having some kind of psychotic break. However, she eventually called the police on her own family, claiming they were harassing her. 
After that, I decided to just walk away. Now, Kim didn't just destroy her own life. When she broke up with me, I felt numb. I knew this wasn't Kim doing this. I wanted to believe deep down that Kim was always like this. Always this impulsive crazy who would ruin her life by getting a face tattoo. I tried to convince myself that I'd not lost the wonderful woman who I'd spent seven years of my life with. However, clearly the person who made these choices was not Kim. The woman who told me over the phone she hated my guts for not supporting her. The woman who wrote she hated me and only ever stayed with me out of pity. That was not the woman I asked to marry. That was not Kim. That was someone who I came to find out was having a mental breakdown. That resulted in months of bad decisions that will affect the rest of her life. The day I walked away and told her sister I could not deal with it anymore was the worst day of my life. It hit me like a train. The numbness and denial of what I lost hit me all at once. I almost quit my own job and moved back home to my parents. I can only thank my boss for being so understanding that she let me take four weeks off to deal with what happened. She and the rest of my team went far beyond what should ever be expected of co-workers and management that it makes me realize how close I was to leaving a job I actually enjoy. I never moved on from Kim, but I came to accept what had happened. I thought I was okay until two weeks ago. I got a call from Kim. She'd blocked my number and done everything she could to remove me from her life. My mind just blanked when I saw it was her calling. I picked up and it was actually her. We didn't talk. I didn't know what to say to her. We decided she'd come over to my place and then we talked. The tattoo is still there, but she's covering it up now with makeup. She says when she has the funds, she's going to look into getting it removed if possible. She's lost a lot of weight since I last saw her. She's not been able to find a new job. She'll probably need to move to a new city for that. She wasn't the Kim I'd fallen in love with. She was like a shell of herself. Something just wasn't there anymore that used to be. Kim told me what had happened. The year leading up to the tattoo was awful for her. The stress of everything seemed to pile up more and more. I respect her and keep much of what she told me secret. However, the thing that's important is that she secretly started doing methamphetamines to keep up her performance at work and to deal with everything. And one day, she just out of nowhere decided she hated everything about her life. She explained why at the time she wanted the tattoo. It doesn't really make much sense, but a lot of what she was thinking at the time didn't. And from there, she just lost control of everything. I won't talk about what happened after she disappeared, but it's not pretty. These are things that she did that will follow her for the rest of her life. It explained a lot, but it didn't make things any better. We talked for nearly the entire night. She didn't leave my place until almost 4 a.m. Since then, she said that she wants to try and get back together with me. She admitted she knows things cannot be the same, yet she wants to try. I haven't talked to anyone about what I'm about to say yet. I've held off on talking to Kim about it because it feels selfish. But there's something about the way Kim acts, about the way it affected my life, that irks me. When we talked that night, she said that I was lucky she cut me off. I was lucky I didn't get put through any of this. I was lucky that my crazy ex wasn't at my door screaming or showing up to my work and causing a scene. She acts like my life wasn't affected at all. I told her what happened after she left, how much it hurt, how I almost quit my job and moved across the country. Her response was dismissive. Like because I didn't go through with that, I don't get to complain. She acted like because I wasn't the one with a tattoo on her face, I don't get to act like it had long lasting effects on me. She didn't even apologize for the explicit and hateful note she left with my things 
when she returned them or for the phone call where she called me a manipulative selfish jerk who only wanted her for her body or even just for breaking up with me she knows she was wrong to do it but it's almost as if she's acting like because she had a breakdown i can't hold her accountable for what she did to me because it wasn't long lasting i texted her last night saying how hard it was for me when she left she ignored it entirely and tried to move on no acknowledgement at all i don't know why but it hurt me it hurt me so much I feel like I did back when all those emotions finally hit me after she left. I wish she'd just never come back into my life now. I wish I didn't know what happened. I wish I hadn't picked up the call because it hurts. But a part of me feels like I'm being selfish or complaining too much that I don't get to feel this way because I'm not the one who had the mental breakdown. There we go. A pretty similar story to the first one, truth be told. Both stories have a man who's been so deeply saddened or i guess kind of even traumatized by their ex-wife now or wife or fiance's past doings or current doings you know what i mean but then even when that woman has come back into their life and you feel like both these men might just say uh you know what despite all the trauma i still love you i'm gonna get back with you we can get through this they both in my opinion make the correct decision and say you know what no i can't do this anymore what you did is truly ridiculous it hurt me so much and that's the end and to both men i have to commend them because I think they made the right decision and I know in that position how hard that decision would be to make. So fair play to these guys. Takes a lot of courage and bravery to do that. And um, yeah, I would just say put yourself in their position if you can for a moment and think about how hard this would actually be. Obviously, for someone like me or you looking at this objectively, you can think, okay, these women are just crazy and stupid. But if you actually love that person, then that is a totally different conundrum. But yeah, as I said, I think they made the right decision. What do you guys think? get in the comments down below. Kevin the inept felon runs from police and loses something more than his freedom, and not for the first time. This occurred in 1997. I was a news photographer, video not still, for over 20 years. The majority of that was at a TV station in a large sized city. I'd been at this place less than a year, so I was working weekends. On a Sunday morning, I was heading to work and I noticed it had rained earlier because of all the puddles of water around. This city was a ghost town on Sundays, so I expected it to be somewhat slow until a reporter came in later to come up with a story. I walked into the newsroom, which at that time was only occupied by the guy running the assignment desk, RK. I was about to take off my jacket and get some more videotapes for my camera when RK told me not to get too comfortable. He had to send me out right away. What's going on? I asked. I'm not sure. Police Watch Command called us and said they had a story. You're kidding, I said. For context, whoever is working the assignment desk in the morning has a daily ritual of calling up all the local police and fire departments to see if anything has happened overnight. If it was a slow night, they'd just say no and we'd move down the list to the next one. If something did happen, they would let us know then. They never call to say they had a story for us. RK told me that a police sergeant was waiting for me at an intersection about four blocks away. I grabbed some tapes and drove over there not knowing what to expect the area i went to was an older part of town that had a few railroad tracks crisscrossing where freight trains would normally pass through the sergeant sees me pull up and he gets out of his car walking up to me with a smirk on his face i walk up to him with all my camera gear and i ask him what is going on he says let's just start the interview and i'll tell you weird Usually, I try to get an idea of what's going on before I start an interview, but whatever. I go through the motions of clipping a microphone on his tie, getting him into position so the lighting looks good, 
asking him on camera for his name spelling and rank Okay, I asked what's going on and the sergeant proceeds to tell me the tale of kevin the inept felon Earlier that morning kevin had been driving around looking for somebody to rob to support whatever bad habit he had at the time It was an older part of town, but it still had nice homes in it. So not a bad neighborhood at all After a while, he finally spotted three men walking down the sidewalk. He parked his car and ran up to them. He had a metal tool in the pocket of his jacket. I think it was part of an old steering wheel club that he was pointing at them through the pocket to make it look like he was armed and he told them he wanted their cash. Judging by his appearance, they thought he was homeless and they started digging around for any loose change. The first guy didn't have anything. The second had a 10 spot. Kevin realized he wasn't making himself clear, so he motioned with his gun at them to let them know he meant business. The third guy finally clued in on what was going on, so he pulled out his very real gun and pointed it at Kevin. As I was being told this story, I imagined Kevin's eyes bugging out of his head a la Looney Tunes at this point. Realizing he's outgunned, Kevin pulls out his gun and takes a couple of swings at the men before sprinting back to his car. The three men manage to get a plate number before he drives off. They call the police with the plate and a description of Kevin. The car comes back as stolen and the police pull out a B-O-L-O for Kevin and the car. For those of you like me that are not from America, that stands for be on the lookout. A patrol officer in the area heard it and thought it sounded like Kevin since he was a frequent flyer in the back of cop cars. He decided to head down to a popular park downtown that was frequented by criminals, druggies and other riffraff. Upon approaching the park, he sees, parked along the curb, the vehicle in question. And there is the Kevin he knows standing next to it, talking to some of his ne'er-do-well friends. Kevin notices the cop approaching and makes a beeline for his ill-gotten car. They start a short chase around downtown. Fortunately, since it was Sunday morning, downtown was deserted. They eventually end up at the place where I'm conducting the interview. Unfortunately for Kevin, there is a slow-moving train going through the intersection and blocking his escape. Kevin, in his infinite wisdom, decides that the train is moving slow enough that he could easily jump in between the cars and get away. Believing he has enough of a lead on the cop, he abandons his vehicle and runs for the train. At the beginning of this story, I said I'd noticed it had rained earlier in the morning. Apparently, Kevin didn't notice. As the pursuing officer was stopping his vehicle, Kevin was jumping in between two train cars, but he slipped on a wet coupling, flopped onto the street under the train, and got his left leg cut off above the knee. The cop stopped in his tracks, quickly spun around and reached into his patrol car to grab a fistful of the oversized zip ties police were using at the time as flex cuffs. He ran over to Kevin and made a tourniquet with them around what was left of his thigh. He called it in and an ambulance and fire truck showed up to stabilize Kevin and haul him off to the hospital. After the sergeant I'm interviewing finished his tale, I'm just standing there in a dead stare with my mouth open. After he confirmed he wasn't joking about the story, I asked him a couple of follow-up questions and unclipped the mic. I let him know I didn't need him anymore if he needs to go and I asked him where exactly it happened. He points to the tracks ahead of us about 30 feet. I asked him if it was still bloody up there and he said no the fire department hosed everything away I thanked him for his time and got to work getting some b-roll after shooting for a minute and wondering exactly where it happened I noticed a bit of leg meat wedged in between the street and the train track that the fire department had missed I got what I needed there and headed to the park where the officer spotted him and into the neighborhood where he tried to hold up those three guys to get some additional video 
I make it back to the station where RK asked me how it went. I sit down and tell him the tale of Kevin the inept felon. His reaction is the same as mine. We both laughed about it for a minute and he tells me about the next story I need to shoot. The rest of the day is rather slow. So slow that I'm told that the story about Kevin is the lead for the 5 p.m. news. Back then, after we shot a story, we just handed it off to an editor and that was the last I heard about it until news time. I eventually go back to the train tracks to meet up with the reporter for the live shots. We talk briefly about the shot he wants for the background and chuckle about Kevin's misfortune. Five o'clock hits and the anchor in the newsroom throws it to the reporter. He gives a brief intro about Kevin's adventure and throws it to the package. The pre-recorded story with the reporter's voice track on top of interviews and video. I listen to it in my earpiece, waiting to cue the reporter when they throw it back to him on camera. Now, since someone else edited the story, I missed out on one last bit of information. The reporter explains on camera that this was not the first time Kevin's own actions resulted in an injury. Two years earlier, Kevin and another man got into a physical argument involving a shotgun. They were trying to wrestle it from one another until the muzzle gets pointed downwards and blammo, Kevin blows his right foot off. As the reporter says this over the air, I start saying, what? Halfway through, I instinctively slap my hand over my mouth. I never did go back to look at the air check, but I'm sure that made it on the air. He throws it back to the newsroom and the director clears us. My reporter starts taking off his mic and earpiece and notices that I'm just staring at him with my mouth open once again. What? He asks. Let me get this straight, I say. So not only is this guy through his own fault missing his leg, but now he just doesn't have any feet? Yep, he says. Some people's kids. Oh my goodness me. I mean, look, maybe we could have forgiven Kevin for this one incident. I mean, people make mistakes, right? And I'm all for seeing the good in people. Uh, You know, it's not the best idea to try and rob people and then make a stupid decision by trying to jump through two trains. Uh, But but nonetheless, you know, we all make mistakes. However, the fact that he's already blown off one of his feet and now is literally footless just confirms, if we didn't know already, which realistically after hearing the first, first part of the story we did, that this Kevin is indeed a Kevin and is an absolute clown. I think what, what is very important here to remember is that he was trying to do this, right? As in, you know, escape the, the cop with one foot because he'd already blown off the first foot, right? So was he running with one foot? I mean, does he have a, a, a prosthetic? I feel like there's more information here that we need. Would he have made the jump if he'd had two feet? Uh, who knows? Maybe if he had the foot in the first place, he would now have both feet still i don't know i mean this is just as typical of kevin's story as you can get really just crazy insane and ultimately the guy is just left disabled for no real reason apart from his own stupidity (laughs) there we go now for our next story about kevin courier kevin will die on the code hill a few days back i used one of those courier apps i type in my info and delivery address and i wait for the guy or gal to come pick up my package they're usually friendly and efficient No issues until now. This time though, Kevin shows up. First sign of trouble, he calls my phone. That's never happened before. Hi, I'm Kevin from X Delivery. I'm at your door. He most certainly isn't since that would have required me to buzz him in to access my floor. But nevertheless, I humor him. Hi, Kevin. Did you follow someone in? I look through my peephole and as expected, there's nobody in sight. No, I'm here. Open, please. I hear an aggravated lady through the phone Tell them it's the wrong door. Kevin, I say. Yes. Where are you? I'm at your door. No, Kevin, 
I'm at my door and you are not have you checked the address kevin hangs up then proceeds to call again mom open please i'm at your door at this point the woman at the other end is threatening to call the police kevin please leave that poor woman alone walk out and find the right building i then tell him the address i don't need to check the building i used the entry code the door opened so it's the right building kevin i'm now in my building's hallway and you're not so clearly you're in the wrong building I'm telling you you're wrong. The woman you've been bothering is telling you you're wrong. And I'm not having this conversation all day. Especially considering I'm freezing my butt off, coatless, in my slippers, gradually losing my compassionate adult veneer. Kevin hangs up again and then calls back. Kevin? Yes? I swear to God, if you hang up on me one more time, this won't end well. Now I want you to listen to me very carefully. Are you listening? Yes. Good. Tell me. Are you on XYZ Street? Yes. Lovely. Please walk out of that building and stand on the sidewalk. I'll find you. I look out and I spot Kevin two buildings up the road. He was easy enough to find. The company dress code is bright red. Cue extra negotiations to get him to walk to me. Remember, I'm still in slippers, no coat on. Kevin finally reaches me and the first thing out of his mouth is, Why does that building have the same entry code as yours? How would I know, Kevin? I don't live there. But but two buildings can't have the same entry code. That makes no sense. You know what makes no sense? You insisting that I should know what goes on over there in a building I do not live in. He stares at me for a few seconds, then mumbles, sorry I wasted your time. I did ask him if he was sure he could handle this delivery. He declared he was fine now. And that is the most bizarre Kevin encounter I've had to date. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything screams Kevin more than... Oh my goodness me, how does another building have the same entry code as yours? Does he genuinely think that every building in the entire world with some form of security system or entry system should be in communication and say, none of us are allowed to have the same code as any other building ever in the entire world? Ideally, that would happen, I would say. It'd be be great for security. However, it does seem quite impractical. It really does. I do actually feel kind of bad for this guy. I don't think this was malicious, given that at the end he says sorry i wasted your time i kind of feel bad and i do think that that a lot of the time with kevin's they are not malicious people unlike entitled parents and and, and a lot of other people that we see on you know revenge subreddits for example that are kind of bad people kevin's are just doing what they can i think but they're just pretty dumb and have no common sense kind of like this guy and now for our final story about kevin just a quick one to finish kevin misses total solar eclipse in a car wash back in 2017 a lot of the usa got to see a total solar eclipse at every location totality only lasted for a couple of minutes so it was a huge deal there hadn't been a mainland us total eclipse for decades the kevin in this story is my dad who took me and my brother i was 13 then my brother was eight to see the eclipse with a big crowd in the middle of nebraska Everyone was standing around waiting, but my dad insisted the eclipse was an hour later because of daylight savings time not working on an eclipse. Why would they want to save daylight when the moon is in front of it? This in spite of the 200 people gathered in the middle of this grungy small city slash large town, Grand Island and E to watch. So my dad, Kevin, says he's going to buy potato chips at a gas station nearby. I figure this is okay. Worst case, if he doesn't get back in time, he will watch from his car. An hour later, totality is over and everyone gets ready to leave. Papa Kevin comes back and it's the first time I've ever seen him cry. He explains, he got a car wash 
and missed it. There's another eclipse next year, and Kevin says that this time he's taking a bike. Oh my gosh. If there's one thing that you don't want to do when you know there's going to be some form of eclipse, it's kind of shelter yourself from the outside world, the sky in any way. You know, go inside, go in a car wash where there are things all over you and you're inside the car and, ah, oh, so dumb. I mean, look, if there was better reasoning behind it, perhaps I could let this Kevin off. But the fact that he said that daylight savings time doesn't work on an eclipse, as in what? You have to forget the fact that, that time has changed or the hour has changed because there's an eclipse. Like eclipses and, and other planets don't have different time in general. It's just, I, I, I can't even begin to kind of understand or work out what he's trying to say here. Surely if you see a group of 200 people waiting for something at a certain time, you don't think, oh, they're all wrong and I'm right. Let's go and wash the car. Seems pretty uh, stupid. And again, you know, he's not a bad person. He's really upset with himself at the end, you can tell. But maybe in the future he'll learn this lesson. Who knows? I feel bad. Once again, I do kind of feel bad. And I feel like that's sort of the sort of the case with a lot of these Kevins. Stepdad cheats on my mum, so we get revenge. I moved in with my mum after her marriage of 25 years with my bio dad was ended. He was a manipulative jerk, but that's another story. Shortly after the divorce, my mum introduced me to her boyfriend at the time, Chris. Now, my mum worked as a correctionals officer at the county jail. The boyfriend was a former inmate, in for a DUI. That should have been the first red flag, but my mum was grieving a long marriage, and I didn't want to push the subject. Chris seemed to make her happy, and that was enough for me. Me, my bro, and my sis all moved in with my mum and Chris, and we seemed to get along okay. Chris and I bonded a bit over our love of video games, and all seemed well. That is until 2017. Due to Chris's prior DUI, he had to go in regularly for probationary checkups at the courthouse. One day, he didn't return, and we all got a little worried. We then received a phone call from him from Texas. Turns out, when he arrived at the courthouse that day, he was jumped by the FBI. His family from Texas was implicated on a number of gang and drug-related crimes, and due to a situation where he was in a vehicle during a drug handoff, he was on the hook as well. He ended up agreeing to testify against his family members in exchange for a shorter sentence, and he was allowed to be out of prison before the trial. Soon after, the drinking started. Now, obviously because of his DUI, Chris was clearly no stranger to drinking. He began to drink more and more to the point where he was consuming half a 24 pack of beer a day. Chris was a mean drunk. He regularly started fights when wasted and while they never got physical, he wasn't exactly kind with his words. My mum enabled his behavior for several years, saying the stress was getting to him from work and from the upcoming trial. Finally, after several years, my mum had had enough. Chris came home extremely drunk one night and my mum confronted him. She asked if he'd been drinking and when he didn't deny it, she kicked him out. He went to live with a friend temporarily. The next morning, mum asked us to help gather a few of his essentials so that he didn't have to re-enter the home until he was sober. While we were gathering his things, we heard a knock at the front door. We opened it to find Betty, one of Chris's co-workers and someone I went to high school with. She told my mum she had something important to share. After sitting my mum down and telling her not to share where she got the info from, Betty told my mum about how Chris was cheating on my mum with Darla. How he regularly had Darla perform sexual acts in and around his workplace. How Betty had caught them and how Chris told her that if she ever told my mum, he'd fire her. He was the store manager. And finally, 
how Dala was pregnant. My mum was angry. After the initial shock wore off, she told us to round up all of Chris's things and to dump them outside. We took everything of his out of the house and tossed it all in the alley behind our house. Chris had no reason or ability to return to the house. It was rented with only my mum on the paperwork, so no issues there. In the meantime, she called and confronted him. He confessed to the entire affair and that he was happy Dala was pregnant because that meant he'd finally have a child of his own. Mum refused to have more kids. We three were massive strains on her body. She likely wouldn't survive anymore. He refused to apologize for any of his actions. My mum arranged for him to collect his items from the alley with an officer present and he left our lives. So now for the moment we've all been waiting for. The revenge now my mum clearly wanted to dust her hands of him and move on she was already quite emotional from the whole ordeal and wanted nothing more from him but my sister brother and i had other ideas first we called his workplace dq operates as an independently owned franchise and the owner of this branch owns several branches in the area he was also a good friend We informed him of the sexual acts being performed on the premises and he went through the processes of getting Chris booted from his position and barred him from any of the branches in the area. Funnily, Betty got his position after he left and now runs a tight and clean ship. Chris no longer had a job or a place to live and so went to live with Dala in a town about an hour away. We found out that he started working at another DQ in that town and informed the owner of that location of the situation. It took significantly longer due to there being no current indecent actions occurring there, but eventually he lost that job too. Soon after, Chris began driving around our neighborhood, seemingly stalking my mum and our family, probably because of his job loss. Now, due to the whole situation in Texas, he never had his probation lifted for his DUI and thus still did not have a license. He never had to drive when he lived with us since work was local and we could drive him as needed, but here he was, clearly driving around by himself when he shouldn't be. We contacted the police and informed them about Dala's vehicle in our neighborhood and that we believed Chris was driving it without a license. We told them to pull over the vehicle next time they see it as it would likely be Chris driving again. Sure enough, a few weeks later, we were told that Chris indeed was pulled over and sent back to the local jail for driving without a license and while intoxicated the police also did a search of the home he was staying at and found several guns at the premises since he was a felon he was not legally allowed to have weaponry on the premises meaning there was more jail time tacked on by the time his jail time had finished it was just in time for him to be sent back to incarceration in texas for the trial chris's son was born while chris was in prison dala evidently realized what an absolute butt chris was and cut ties with him while he was in prison During his prison time, Chris started sending tons of letters to my mum, stating how sorry he was, pleading to take him back, and ranting about how it wasn't his fault. This was all in the same letter, mind you. Mum burnt every one of them. We moved on, moving out of states. Chris evidently got out of prison some years ago and now lives in Kansas, struggling and fighting child support, which Dala sued him for. Mum now has a new boyfriend, who treats her right and cares a lot more than Chris ever did. My brother and sister moved on and out and I still live with mum, assisting her with the newly purchased home that we've been renovating. Life's looking okay. I was reminded of this story by a chat with a co-worker about cheaters and I thought to post it here for others to enjoy. Well, to be honest with you guys, that the first thing that kind of springs to mind or the first reaction I have after, after finishing that story is, wow, Chris was driving around your neighborhood in Darla's car 
under the influence and with a gun probably as well that, that is extremely scary and i'm kind of well i don't know i, I kind of want to say that it's lucky that you guys weren't affected or harmed or that he didn't find you first I, I don't know what else he could have been doing doing that other than trying to look for you and get his own revenge that sounds terrifying so look great revenge and all but genuinely i, I think that could have gone so much worse wow like Look, I'm all for good revenge stories, but by tracking him down and getting him fired again, which, yeah, I can't argue, is great revenge in isolation. That made him come back to the neighborhood and look for you guys, right? You know, and we know what he's like, as I've just said, driving under the influence with a weapon. So, yeah, like good revenge, but also that could have been a really, really tragic ending. So I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. Maybe that revenge went too far. Obviously, in the end, it was fine and it was good revenge but think of the potential consequences what do you guys think about that sometimes does this revenge go too far would it have been fine just you know making him lose his job in the neighborhood you're in and by the time he's in kansas and stuff just just leave him to it that's enough because again you don't want to damage someone to such an extent that they then have nothing to lose anymore because i think that's what has kind of happened here let me know in the comments down below that is a it's a controversial one but yeah, I reckon that might have been a bit too far just for your own safety. When your racket with the local cops bites you in the butt internationally. This happened a few years ago when I was serving overseas with the US military. The location I was at was in a poorer area. There's a fair number of panhandlers, a lot of petty crime, and just people doing stupid stuff. Well, one racket that goes on in this area, and apparently in other areas of the country too, is the local cops incentivize reporting vehicles without a date inspection sticker. Apparently, they give these people access to the inspection database if they think the sticker is fake or stolen, which actually does happen. If you drive a motorcycle, one of the things they tell you when you're in process is to keep the sticker in your wallet and not on the vehicle, or else it'll just get peeled off. Anyway, what these people will do if they find a car with an out-of-date sticker, or if they run the plates and find it's out of date, they'll jimmy the door open, steal every single thing out of the car, and leave a note that they've taken it to the police station. The idea is that you show up at the police station to get your stuff and they force you to pay the fine for an overdue sticker and then give you a deadline for an inspection or else you'll get another fine. Well, I came out to my car one morning and lo and behold, there was a note on my seat saying that all my stuff was at the local police station because my inspection sticker was fake and I had to go and get it. Now, not only am I late for work, my kid's also going to be late for school because there's no bus and I have to drive her every morning on my way. Also, my inspection sticker is not out of date, so I've got no idea what's going on. Now, here's the thing that was extremely problematic. I put my passport and my wife and kids in the glove box because I was taking them to the base to get some paperwork done. I was also going to grab some paperwork for my wife to apply for a new passport because hers had expired. I'm very forgetful, so I put them in the night before and made sure the car was locked. Yeah, dumb mistake. Anyway, I get to the station, ask them what the heck is going on, and then when I have them look at the inspection documents that the guy had taken, which clearly stated the car had been inspected and was current, they apologized and told me they'd give me my things back and I had to wait there for a second. I asked to file a police report for theft, but they looked at me like I had three heads and told me nothing was stolen even though somebody broke into my car and took my things. This is when a light bulb went off in my head, and this might fall into the unethical category. The guy had taken official US passports, which might be a problem, but probably nothing would come of it since they were turned right into the police. However, I asked him where my wife's passport was. They told me that whatever is there is there. 
I said I needed a police report because I needed to contact the US Embassy about a stolen passport and the fact that this police station would know exactly who the person was that stole it because they had dropped off my things that morning. I've never seen someone's attitude change as quickly as that cop's attitude changed. He tried to talk me out of filing a police report, but I was pretty insistent. So I went ahead with the report and then I did contact the embassy and reported the passport stolen and gave them all the information of the police station. And when I got the police report, I emailed it to them as well. I wound up getting a free passport out of it for my trouble. The embassy told me they were going to handle it. And from what I heard, the person who broke into my car actually got arrested and fined and was looking at additional charges because he stole foreign documents. I really would have liked to be a fly on the wall when one of the local cops rolled into wherever he was and told him to come with them. I don't feel bad at all. Hopefully the dude learned his lesson and I didn't have any further issues until I went back home. Okay, guys, look, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't really understand what's just happened there. Um, It's not often that this happens, I'll be honest, because a lot of these stories are pretty self-explanatory and the, the revenge is, is, you know, it's kind of makes sense or it's obvious. I don't get it. Why is the fact that, I don't know, maybe I'm just barking up the wrong tree, but from my point of view, something is awry or something is unethical because OP's wife's passport has already expired. I just don't get it, right? I, I don't understand. So what happens is they take they take all the stuff, hand it to the police, then you go to the police to get it back and then they say, actually, you need a, a date of inspection or whatever on your car, uh, pay for that now, so you get a fine. You know, obviously a bit backwards, but yeah, that's, that's I guess, some sort of racketeering with, with the local cops. However, what is it about OP asking where his wife's passport was that, that made this into some form of revenge? What's the difference, I guess I'm trying to say, between his passport and their child's passport being taken and his wife's expired passport being taken? Surely taking any passport at all is illegal or, or handing a passport in, unless he's saying or claiming that his wife's passport wasn't expired? Pretty much, guys, get in the comments down below. I don't really know. I think I'm missing something here. I've looked through the comments and no one has even mentioned it, so I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, maybe you let me know in the comments. I'll have another think, but that's my initial reaction. I don't know what's happened. Look, I get the fact that these are US passports and maybe that is the, the thing that's illegal here. However, I don't understand why OP has specifically referenced his wife's passport. It's got to be it's got to be to do with the fact that it's expired in, in some regard or I don't know I'm missing something perhaps or something's missing from the story but again guys comment down below because uh, yeah I'm not entirely sure but an interesting one nonetheless today I effed up by being a jerk on the internet and causing a stranger to get divorced I'm cross posting this from the subreddit today I effed up I'm really not a mean person and I genuinely felt terrible for destroying a marriage but the lovely users over there thought I should post here though I didn't mean for the revenge to go to this level by any means. I don't even know if I meant for revenge at all, but here we are. So, I, a 42-year-old woman, effed up big time. Two weeks ago, on a random Thursday morning at like 1am, someone started shooting off fireworks in my neighborhood. I'd been having bouts of insomnia and was finally able to get to sleep, and I had to wake up at 4am for a meeting two hours away that I had to be at for 8am. I was fuming, and so were my dogs. I love fireworks, but I think there's a time and a place. Thursday morning at 1am is not it. I posted to the neighborhood Facebook group a few hours later during a coffee break about people that set off fireworks at 1am midweek. After I make the long drive home, I check my Facebook. Some guy comments that I can't sleep because I'm a fat pig. 
Now, I'm chubby, but not sloppy fat. Plus, I just lost the equivalent of a fully grown male wombat or 54 North American gray squirrels. So I feel freaking awesome about myself. Now, this is where I may have really effed up. I respond to the guy who was maybe mid to late 30s or very early 40s, about the same age group as me. I write in a comment beneath his, listen, guy's name, I'm sorry I had to end things, but I just didn't have the same feelings. What you're saying now is just hurtful and mean. Please stop sending me messages and commenting on my Facebook posts. It's just a pathetic way to contact me. I told you a dozen times already. We are done. It's over. The following day, I had to get to the airport for an out-of-country vacation that had me getting up early and leaving early as heck. So I don't check my Facebook during all the craziness. Also because I'm only on it sparingly. I don't live on my phone. And when I am, I'm usually on Reddit or TikTok versus Facebook. I couldn't check my Facebook even if I wanted to. I was on a cruise and I'm not paying $25 a day for internet and the country we visited didn't really have the greatest Wi-Fi. Besides, I was having a blast leaving the chaos of the world behind. I signed back in on Monday night and frick. Apparently, people took my message seriously and they told his wife. She was freaking out at me, pleading for information. She sent me messages. Her and his friends were DMing me. He was DMing me. It was bad. The last message was the guy saying I'm a total C word because I refused to tell the truth and I just destroyed his life. I immediately messaged both him and his wife explaining what happened. I sent pics of me on vacation even. Timestamps. Apparently, he is a serial cheater. And when I exposed our affair, another woman exposed her affair with the husband to the wife because she was jealous that he had yet another side chick. This was the straw that broke the camel's back because not only are there multiple affairs, but because he humiliated her with how public this was, especially me putting this in a Facebook neighborhood group. So there is my accidental pro revenge. Well, there we go. What a story to kick things off. I've got to say, although it was accidental, was it justified? 100% yes, in my opinion. Like this guy is an absolute disgrace. I'm sorry, not only because of his just online abuse i mean why is he calling you a fat pig on facebook just ridiculous but also because he is a serial cheater anyway so although you probably didn't realize that when you said these things ultimately is it a bad thing that you kind of expose his cheating i would say no and if people realize that he is a cheater because of what you said it doesn't matter if you're lying you got to the truth like realistically this probably would have ended in divorce this relationship down the line at some point it just seems pretty obvious that that was kind of a guarantee so in doing this in exposing this man doesn't matter if it was accidental or not you are saving first of all the woman that he is with a lot of years probably of, of wasted time and then also the person that he's having an affair with anyway a lot of time because maybe she didn't know maybe she did know anyway and there's also a terrible person it's less about her i'd say and more about his wife saving her a lot of years because at least now she knows what's going on and can move on wow accidentally causing a divorce fair play now moving on to our second story of revenge boss from hell gets what she deserves i am a woman in my 30s and i've been a people pleaser to a fault my whole life i've been working in marketing for over 10 years and over the years, I've had my fair share of bosses who were good, average, and some who sucked. There is one in particular that stood out as awful. This story is from about five years ago. Pamela, in her 40s, not her real name, was the VP of marketing and sales for a mid-sized retailer. 
She started at the company a few years after I did and if rumors were true She was the fourth pick for the position and was simply hired so the company could appease shareholders I was a manager under her and my whole job was to make sure the website and stores had their products merchandised properly Received all their monthly sales materials managed advertising set up and managed the department's budget PM'd all department projects and operations created reporting to reflect sales managed presentations slash creative briefs for future projects, etc. In short, I did her work and all the administrative grunt work to keep the department afloat. I managed all of this because I had access to her email and many times sent emails on her behalf to keep the department functioning. Pamela spent most of her time showing up after 10 a.m., taking business lunches and planning company parties. I don't even know why we did those, but I planned those too. I consistently questioned why she spent so much of our budget on these events when we didn't have the budget resources for any of it. Pamela told me to take from future months budgets to pay for the current months overspending. So at the start of every month, I had an original budget and by the end of the month, I had to turn in an edited budget, edited under Pamela's direction that made it look like Pamela's spending was under control. This is important for later. I definitely made mistakes here and there being in charge of so many tasks and constantly found myself working 12 hour days split between being in the office and working after my kid went to bed weekend work was also done before my family woke up and then after they went to bed my word during pamela's first major holiday season sales were awful pamela kept changing her mind on the visuals for the stores kept bringing on new advertising and pr agencies to bring in sales All these agencies consisted of her personal friends and ignored our buying and merchandise team's planned promotions for her own better ones. At this time, I'd been dealing with an ongoing infection that turned to sepsis and was hospitalized. The doctors and my husband said it was due to the stress of work and that I needed to take a break. As I recovered, I realized how much I was hurting myself, my family, and even the company I work for. Eventually, my old habits got to me and I got on my phone and checked mine and my boss's emails. What I found made my blood boil. First, I got a lovely bouquet of flowers from upper management wishing me well. And I knew that Pamela organized the delivery. She sent me her favorite flowers. I went to her inbox to put the receipt in the correct folder to send to accounting when I got back. And at the top of her inbox from the past three days were emails clearly not related to business. What I found in her emails was Pamela emailing her personal friends, grabbing about how I can't just shake off sepsis and get back to work. She also complained that she couldn't find any of my notes, spreadsheets, or documents for any of the work she was technically in charge of. They were on our share drive labeled very clearly. Finally, I found an email she sent a friend from a previous company asking for advice on how to bring in sales and save her job. In this long thread, this old colleague asked if there was anyone managing most of the work. And of course, Pamela said I was. This colleague explained that clearly it was my mismanagement that was causing issues and that I could be blamed if sales didn't pull through by the end of the season. Pamela mentioned that I was in hospital and repeated comments from her other email thread. This person said that she couldn't outright fire me because it could seem like retaliation as I needed to take emergency medical leave. But if Pamela could prove I was stealing from the company or misusing company resources, then she would have grounds to have me fired 
and then used me as a scapegoat. Upon my return, Pamela called me into her office and said she was worried I was taking on too much and wanted to take work off my plate. She announced that she was taking managing the department budget off my plate. She asked me to only drop off a small stack of invoices to accounting. Additionally, Pamela told me that under no circumstances was I allowed to talk to accounting about anything regarding budgets. Also, if I had any concerns about the department or workload, I wasn't allowed to go to HR. I had to discuss it directly with her. Oh, yeah, I could see where this was going. Unfortunately for Pamela, I built a rapport with Lois, who was our main accountant. Lois always said that she would do everything in her power to help me should I ask. Knowing this, I grabbed the stack of invoices off Pamela's desk to give to accounting. I also added the email threads that I read while I was in the hospital and the current unedited budget that Pamela hadn't touched yet for the month. I also found in my filing cabinet the hard copies of old budgets with Pamela's handwriting on what numbers to change to balance our budget. Finally, I added an email from our first round of budget adjustments where Pamela subtly threatened to put someone else in my job if i couldn't do what she asked so i walked and dropped off the invoices to accounting when i bumped into lois she brought up invoices and i sternly looked at her and said pamela is the only one in our department that lois is allowed to talk to about our budget and invoices lois saw the suspiciously thick file folder on her desk gave a firm nod and lovingly kicked me out of her office within the week pamela was fired from what i understand she's been continually job hopping for the past few years The CEO and HR brought me in to personally apologize for everything I went through and gave me a paid one-week vacation to take at my discretion. Given other issues with this business, I left after another year. Which brings me to today. I am once again a manager for sales and marketing. I have a wonderful boss, Mike, who trusts my business decisions and backs me up on practically everything. We're hiring for my team for me to solely manage and direct. Today, I looked through the applicants and found Pamela's resume sitting among dozens of others. I stared at her name, wondering how many other people share her name. Upon review, yep, it's her. She definitely fell down the corporate ladder with VP of our old company being the highest title she earned. And to no surprise, she embellished her achievements, claiming the work that I managed as her own and claimed that she generated an 87% sales growth during the holiday season at our previous company. As a people pleaser, who firmly believes in giving everyone a chance, it has never been so satisfying to click disqualified. One thing that I will mention that maybe a lot of you are thinking right now is, wouldn't it have been better from OP's perspective, I guess more rewarding to have her walk into the interview room and you, OP, just be there? sat across the table knowing full well this is the same pamela and just seeing her reaction knowing in that one moment that she is never ever going to get that job and is completely wasting her time however i will put up on screen right now what op replied to that to those suggesting that i interview her to see her reaction i would have loved to see her face as she walked in but i felt it would have risked my boss's trust in my decision making ability i understand that i do understand that because yeah you don't want to kind of sacrifice or risk your own job while messing with pamela as much as i'm sure you want to however couldn't you have just done the interview anyway and then just secretly said no i don't really like her although again yeah thinking about it you do risk pamela saying i know you you know it, it could potentially put your job in jeopardy one last thing that op did say though is maybe i'll send a personally written rejection email that 
you definitely have to do it's it's without a doubt you just have to do it get it done now for our final story of revenge in this episode i left behind a dead man's switch in the company workflow when i sensed i was about to be bullied into quitting i started working in logistics at a company that builds things that was just as covid was starting actually when i started we were five people in the team but one of the guys quit soon after This is important because it was a very good insight into how my department operates when they don't need or want a certain someone around. They won't outright fire you since then they have to pay you severance, but instead they will bully you into quitting. I saw pretty much the whole package, excluding them from meetings and important events, putting them down in public, lecturing them, never noticing good work, but always making sure that everybody knows about work that is poorly done drowning someone in work and then berating them when they inevitably can't keep up it was outright childish at times i didn't register it at the time but it was a really valuable lesson for later i was put in charge of managing our overseas suppliers among other things about half of our material came from overseas most of that from china while it seems like a big task for someone new it wasn't done out of malice genuinely everyone believed we were going to get a guy in china for the chinese supplies then i'd be left with a handful of others it seemed fair but we never got that guy for china and i was left with all overseas suppliers another important thing is that just in this project the company had decided to change the workflow for overseas suppliers this is because due to covid the price of shipping containers had exploded to explain it as simply as possible Previously, the suppliers were responsible for filling our containers and bringing them to the harbor. We were responsible for picking them up from the harbor and bringing them to us. However, due to demand and many other things, sometimes we just needed two or three pallets of parts where a dozen or more could fit inside a container. So we were shipping a lot of air. The new workflow would have the suppliers bring the parts to an external warehouse, one in the US, one in China. Then we would load them into containers to get the containers as full as possible and then bring them to the harbor and then into our plants. This way, we needed to rent far fewer containers. This complicated things because it erased the direct contact from us to the suppliers. And there was no official method of how we were going to keep in contact with suppliers, telling them how many parts we need, how to package them, if there were any changes requested, etc. During that time, I was left mostly alone to deal with it. And I set up a system with Excel. It was mostly manual, rather simple, but it worked well. It worked so well that one of the suits even chatted with me about it for a bit, since he wanted to make it a standard in future projects. And also, this is very important. I was the only person who actually knew all our overseas suppliers and their contacts. Some of you might be able to tell where this story is going already. So during that entire time, nobody had actually bothered to ask me to explain to them how my system worked and where I kept track of all the supplier contacts. All of this data was hidden on like slide 800 of some Excel file that I'd saved in a folder titled parts pictures, which was otherwise filled with pictures of parts. Now moving forward, as COVID began to die down, the department for whatever reason decided they didn't need me anymore. I have theories, but nothing certain. So I'll just leave it at that. I pretty much saw precisely the same thing go down as I'd seen with that one guy who had left shortly after I started. All the bullying. I thought to myself at first that if I pull through and keep doing a good job, and I believe I did a good job, they'd eventually cool down. But they didn't. After two months of that, I said screw it and decided to just sit out and endure until the Christmas bonus we get every year and then hand in my notice. 
and also i just delayed teaching anyone how my system worked until i was gone and that is pretty much how it happened so for my own future employment, I actually lucked out. One of the local suppliers I was managing had a really chill guy as managing director. I gave him a call, explained that I was about to be unemployed, and I asked if they needed staff. He then called me into an interview. We talked about anime for an hour while his HR lady looked confused about what a attack on Titan was. And he told me I can come in the moment I'm done with my then or current job. So back on topic, a month into working at my new job, I got a call from my old job, the department manager. To his credit, he was always a reasonable guy. He told me in plain words that they have no idea where the frick to even start with the Chinese supplies. He then offered me my old job back with a very respectable pay increase. I explained that I already had a new job though. Two days later, I got another call where the same manager offered me many times my monthly salary just to come in for one week and instruct my old team in how my process functioned, introduce them to all the contacts, etc. I told him I refused because of the way I'd been treated by them when I worked there. He said that he understood and wished me luck at my new job and hung up. The reason I'm writing this story now? Well, this week, I randomly got in touch with some of the people in the transport department from my old job. They mentioned that in the now 10 months since I left, the logistics department racked up eight-figure losses due to wrong deliveries, over and under deliveries, outdated parts, some suppliers cancelling their contracts, and new suppliers needing to be sourced, etc. And all the blame for that fell on my old team. My new job is fine. It's not the best job, but I get to travel a lot and get nice bonuses for it. My boss isn't around much since he's married. I do sometimes regret not taking that offer for a week as an instructor. Okay, then that is going to do it for three hours of Reddit stories to sleep to. A a video that I just thought I might as well make, because why not? As I said in the intro, you guys have been commenting for the longest time now that I've got a soothing voice, that you like sleep into the episodes, whatever it is. So there you go. Enjoy it. I hope you did actually sleep to this one. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.